Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, October 11th. It's time for Destination Health. We're going to have a free-for-all today on health. Anything goes. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, anything at all you want to talk about health-wise, pick up the phone and join me right now. Phone lines are open, 855-950-3835. We've got no theme today. We have no guests we're just waiting for your questions. The phone lines are open, so line them up and we'll uh, we'll get to your calls. I'll be here for the next three hours or until we run out of questions. So it's totally up to you. Let's, uh, let's get to it. I do have a couple topics I want to throw out there while we're waiting for some calls to come in and get screened. Looks like they're already coming in. Um, they kind of go together. I, I think I mentioned this yesterday or the day before. Um, I broke my rule about giving advice, pretty strict about not ever giving advice to somebody that didn't directly ask me for it. Even when I see like generic requests on social media, like can somebody help me with weight loss or joint pain or whatever their complaint might be, and they're asking the internet, I do not jump in there and answer. Uh, And again, I don't give advice to people who didn't ask normally. But I slipped the other day and I broke my rule. It was somebody I'm familiar with online. We interact a lot. And he mentioned he needed to lose weight and he was counting calories. And I made the statement, calorie counting doesn't work. It never has. Here's how you lose weight. And immediately uh, I was about to be in a debate with multiple people And people were posting, you know, all of their proof that calories in, calories out really works. And one of them was an article about some guy that decided he could lose weight eating nothing but fast food. And he wasn't restrictive about it at all. It wasn't like he was just eating the meat. He was eating a typical fast food diet, but his whole method was he would only eat half of what he normally ate, which is just another variation of calories in, calories out, and it just doesn't work. A calorie is not a calorie, and that's the reason why. Our body handles different types of calories differently. Calories that come from carbohydrates spike insulin. Insulin is the master hormone when it comes to weight loss. And when insulin is present, your body will store calories as fat. When insulin isn't present, your body burns calories as energy. That really is how simple this is and why calories don't really matter if you're eating the right calories. If you're eating the right calories, you don't have to count them. I've tried this many times. I have tried to overeat on keto or carnivore to see if I could gain weight, and I can't. I can't gain, I mean, I can vary, you know, three or four pounds a night up and down. That happens all the time, no matter what I'm eating or doing. But I could not gain any weight over my baseline trying to overeat. I mean, there were times, days I made myself miserable, forcing myself to eat some more to see what would happen. Don't gain a pound. So there is some evidence that on a good human real food diet, we do consume less calories. 
So then people say, well, see, it was all about calories. Well, sort of, but it's not. Human beings do not need to count calories. We didn't count calories for hundreds of thousands of years. We didn't know what a calorie was. And it was possible to overeat as a hunter-gatherer. You you killed a big mammal and people would gorge. But you don't gain weight that way. That's just not how it works. So now I see uh, that Weight Watchers and some of the other diet plans that have been around for decades, some of them, and push calories in, calories out, have now kind of admitted that it doesn't work. But they're not moving to a whole food diet of any kind. They're not talking about limiting carbohydrates, which are unnatural in our diet. Carbohydrates in a real food diet are pretty rare. There's not a lot of them. Fruit, some root vegetables, you know, have some carbohydrate content. Um, but that's really about it. If we, other than grains, I don't consider grains a real human food. They're crazy high in carbohydrates. Uh, and they have lots of other problems too. So carbohydrates are just really rare in nature. It, it's not that carbohydrates are bad. In a real food diet, your carbohydrates are just fine. And depending on how healthy you are, you may or may not be able to consume different amounts of carbohydrates without having a problem. But they're not a, they're not saying calories in, calories out, and low fat doesn't work, so let's go to a a real human diet, what they've now said is, this doesn't work, so we are now recommending toxic drugs for weight loss. These companies are getting on board with Wagovi and Manjaro. This is insanity. The idea that, that people are ignorant enough to take these toxic drugs at a thousand dollars a month, and I don't care if insurance is paying for it or not, have some responsibility to think that it's okay to have your insurance company pay a thousand dollars a month for drugs so that you could lose 10 to 15% of your weight, which isn't all that great, and all the potential side effects, death being one of them, by the way. What are we thinking? Have people really lost their mind? This is being promoted. When this first came out and it was celebrities, I thought, oh, who cares? The goofy celebrities out there with all their money are always pulling something stupid like this. But normal people are doing, well, I don't know if I'd call them normal anymore. I I have to believe you're somewhat abnormal as a human being if you believe this stuff. If you are really willing to risk your health to lose weight, isn't the point of losing weight to get healthy? Or no, maybe we're just so vain these days. People don't care if they're really healthy at all. They just want to look thin, which is also another mental defect. I have no idea why anybody on the planet would take Oprah Winfrey's advice on weight loss. She is the model of failed weight loss. The yo-yo dieting for decades over and over and over. I wonder how hard it is for them to find body doubles for her when she's constantly gaining and losing weight. It's been a nonstop journey for her for as long as I can remember. And she, you know, her and Weight Watchers now are saying, no, look, this works. 
Don't use any willpower. Don't take any responsibility. Don't even worry about being really healthy. We'll just help you get thin and you may die, but probably not. I I, I read this stuff and I'm just shocked. I don't even know what to think anymore. So the the debate part of anything anymore for me, I, I just don't. You know, I've said in the past, I like to use debate because I think it's a way to help other people maybe hear both sides of a of an issue and, and think their way through it. But I just can't deal with the frustration. Um, everybody has a study. Everybody has an anecdote. And we use a lot of anecdotes, too. But, I, you know, when I use anecdotes, I'm using my own and thousands of people I work with every day. And and a lot of natural practitioners now use anecdotes rather than studies. Because we, we can fight about studies and research and paper all day long, and you're never going to get anywhere. And honestly, it's it seems like we can argue anecdotes all day long, too, and you're not going to get anywhere. Uh, that's why I'm just not sure debate even makes sense in this country anymore about anything, really. Um, And I'll admit that I am so entrenched in my beliefs that I'm not going to really learn much in a debate. Now, that's not to say I don't learn new things all the time and I'm open to learning new things and I'm very open to saying I was wrong. I got this one wrong. Here's a better way. But that doesn't happen ever in debates. We're, We're just so focused on proving our point that our mind isn't open. Mine isn't. I know it's not when I'm debating. My mind's open when I'm researching, when I'm talking with other practitioners, when I'm watching results of, you know, real people doing things in the real world, then my mind's open. So I need to remember my own advice. Don't give advice unless somebody directly asks for it. And uh, I really just don't see the point of much debate anymore. So um, phone calls are starting to come in. I'm going to get to those calls. If you have a comment about any of those things or a question or anything at all you want to talk about, we're getting to calls right now. So keep them coming. 855-950-3835. We are off to Texas to get started. James, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how are you? Doing good. What's on your mind today? Hey, I've got some uh, homicide digestive problems. I'll give you some background on me. I've been eating keto for dirty keto pretty much for the last two years. Lost 60 pounds in the beginning. Congratulations. And uh, thank you. And before that, I was diagnosed with Barrett's esophagus. Okay. And took, you know, the uh, PPIs. That was, that was their fix for it. Of course. Well, after I found you, I quit taking them, and I've never had any problems since. But now I'm having uh, heartburn, and my stuff, my digestion has gone to crap. So I mean, it, okay, I well, don't know what to do now. Well, let's um, now. The best thing to do, especially for digestion, is to fill out a NutriCue. We're we're not really doing discovery calls and one on ones right now, but we're getting ready to do group coaching, which would be ideal for something like this. Um, and in the meantime, I'm working on a way that people could just fill out NutriQs now and 
that way I may have a little more information when I have somebody on the air. We could take the NutriQ and do it on the air while we're getting the coaching program up and running. Um, but we can try to gotcha. tackle this now. Here's what the NutriQ does for us. The NutriQ is going to ask you about 100 questions. I should know what how many there are, but I don't. There's a lot. And really what it's asking. I've taken two of them before. Okay, good. Uh, when was the last one? I, just, I was going to take one yesterday. It's been maybe a year or less. Maybe I'm not positive. Okay. Uh, I'm wondering, do you mind if I would put you back on hold and I see if we can pull that up and I can come back to you with that? It would at least give me a starting point on some things. Sure. Okay, let me do that. Sure, sure. And and I think we're going to do more of this kind of stuff with the NutriQ while we're getting the program up and running. I hate to leave people with with no options. You know, with Lauren on maternity leave and everything going on with me, maybe a little bit before we get the coaching yeah. up and running. But uh, this may be a way to kind of fill in. So I'm going to put you back in the queue. Chelsea, if you could... And I know you might need a little help on this. Um, we need to get the NutriQ for James. Thank you, Chelsea. Uh, and then I, when you've got it, um, send it over to me in the chat, and I will go back to James. Let's uh, let's go to Kentucky. Jerry, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. I got a question about X3 Bar, but before I get to that question, I just want to pass on something rather amusing. There was a uh, group on Facebook. It wasn't the bobblehead group, but the other one that somebody posted a picture of himself and he'd lost 66 pounds. Didn't look like it in the pictures, but he said he'd lost 66 pounds and the private message him for what to do to lose weight. So really? a couple of people started asking. Yeah. A couple of people started asking what you did. What did you do? How did you do it? And his only answer was I'll PM you. So I called bullshit on it that it was a total complete scam and he never did uh, say what it was or what, it, you know, it had to be a scam. If you have to do it through PM, exactly. it has to be a scam. But there was one lad, and I'm not going to say his name. There was one lad on you, and I want to read verbatim as to what he wrote under that post about losing weight. Okay. Congratulations. I didn't need to lose weight, but I lost 30 pounds in eight weeks. Was a guinea pig for a test my wife was doing semaglutide injections once oh, a week. It no worked. Way. Some some <sighs> places charge seven hundred to three K for an eight week series. Well, I couldn't leave well enough alone and kind of took him to task for it. But anyway, I just I, I just wanted to pass on how amused I was at the stupidity of people. Unbelievable. Absolute stupidity. Unbelievable. And yeah. you are absolutely didn't need to lose right. weight, they still took them. Well wait a minute, because I, I I have a real problem with that part. I'm glad you reminded me of that part. So I would say I don't need to lose any weight where I am right now. I'm a good normal body weight, good body fat content, very happy with my weight right where it is. If I lost 30 pounds, I'd be in the hospital. I don't think I could. I, I would be so lean. I would start to have problems. So how do you lose 30 pounds when you just made the statement? I don't need to lose weight. Well, he probably didn't have any choice when he started getting the injections. He was going to lose it no matter what. Yeah, which is Healthy a good point because it makes you nauseous. It's hard to eat when you're nauseous. It slows down digestion. That That's really one of the primary ways this works. It slows down digestion. 
one of the potential side effects is stomach paralysis. Your stomach, now your stomach digests food two different ways. It uses acid to break down food and it uses muscle contraction to work that food and acid together. And then that's what gets it moving out of the stomach. It all, it creates better digestion. You know, think about this. You you got a big pile of food and you surround it with acid. Well, it, it takes a while, but if you, if you then massage it all together, it works much, much faster. And that's how our stomach works. It, it has acid and then it has muscle contractions that, that work it all together and keep things moving. Your intestines work the same way. They, they flex the muscle to keep things moving. What these drugs do is stop that. So it slows down digestion, which means you're not as hungry and you won't eat as much. I mean, that's a simple way of explaining what these drugs are doing. There are a couple other things going on that are also bad for us, but that's one of the big ones. So now you hear people complaining about massive bouts of nausea on these drugs. No wonder why they're losing weight and stomach paralysis and bowel blockages. Now, I am very familiar with bowel blockages. I've talked about this for years. Uh, In my early 20s, I had a motorcycle accident. I have scar tissue on my intestines that causes bowel blockages if I'm not careful. Now, the interesting thing is, in the last nine years, eating the way I do, I haven't had a single episode. Prior to that, I had been hospitalized. You know, now, this was over several, well, many years, but I was hospitalized four times for this. And it is a miserable experience. They put that tube up your nose and down your throat and that that's in for three or four days while I lay in the hospital and then their only other solution oh we'll do surgery and we'll go in and cut out the scar tissue and I was almost stupid enough to fall for that but I I thought to myself that just doesn't sound right and then I got talking to an honest gastroenterologist one time and he said it's a good thing you didn't let them because guess what surgery does causes new scars how could it not so what a, what a stupid, to get rid of scar tissue to create more scar tissue. What a stupid procedure. But in the emergency room, they were telling me, you could die from this. We have to operate. You could die. And I said, look, if I were about to die, I think I would know it. I'm sick. I'm miserable. But I don't think I'm anywhere near death. So let's just hold off on that whole surgery thing for a while. Um, so but that's a side effect of this drug. Bowel blockages. They are deadly. They can kill you. Well, there's no doubt about it. I just couldn't understand. I called the lad out on it in the wine world. He'd inject toxic drugs and he swore up and down. He did all the research he needed to and it, it worked. So, I, I mean, oh, I just oh, that was I, just a sidebar to you'd be amused. I will stand right next to him and sure, I'm sure it worked. I'm sure you did lose 30 pounds. <laughs> I don't doubt that for a second. I have never said this doesn't work to help you lose. And the, the averages are about 10 to 15 percent of your body weight. So when, right. I, when I was at 180, I would have lost 18 pounds at 10% and like 25 pounds at, at 15. Uh, on a real food diet, I lost 40, which got me right down to what my body weight should be. Most people are more than 10 to 15% overweight. 
and you did it healthily. And that's the other big thing. This is about health, not just about how I look in the mirror. All these other people care about is how they look in the mirror because there's nothing healthy about this whatsoever. And nobody's changing their diet. They're still eating the horrible standard American diet. Exactly. So, well, I don't know what reason I called, but I just thought it was such an amusing sidebar. I wanted to give you a little humor. And it's not really funny. I pointed out that it's not really funny, but it kind of is that people are stupid enough to to uh, you know, do it. I pointed out the drugs were never the answer to health and weight loss, but whatever. So at, at some point you can't help but just laugh. Yep. That's what I said. It's funny, but not really yeah, funny. Right. So, all right. You were uh, talking to Bruce yesterday and sometimes it takes my little pea brain a long time to kind of pick up on something. And I realize that I hear you on the radio and it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other, kind of like it did on the health stuff. But I finally got believing it and, I heard Bruce talking yesterday, and it sounded like a mirror image of me about how much I used to lift and all the machinery parts and everything. I used to just pick up and never even think about it. Right. So my question is, I've lost a lot of that muscle mass. My question is, what do I buy on that X3 bar? Do I just? I've heard all these people talk calling in and talking about the X3 bar, and they've got different bands, and they've got longer bars, yeah. and they've got this, no. and they've got that. Let me simplify this. What do I need to get? Let me simplify All right. this. How tall are you? 5'8", five, 5'7", five, to 5'8", five, depending on whether it's, I don't know, whatever day I'm slouching. Okay. So here, <laughs> no. here's what I would recommend. I'm 5'5", five, five with short arms. You know, it, we could be the same height and be different body compositions. You know, somebody's 5'5", five, five might have longer arms, and somebody else have 5'5". Five, five. So there's some variation here. At 5'5", five, five, I can use the standard bands. I just don't like it. There's, there's, I, I got to, you know, do a couple little twists on them to tighten them up sometimes, or I'll use some Velcro straps. And even then, I'll have a little bit of a gap at the bottom of the movement where the, the, the band goes slack. So I really prefer the shorter bands. At somebody at 5'8", my recommendation would be buy the bar. It comes with the standard bands and try it for a while. And if you just feel like okay. those bands are a little too long, then you could order the shorter bands. And you don't have to order like all four of them. Um, you're probably not going to use all four of the original bands that come with the system. The one heavy <laughs> band, man, you've got to have some serious strength to use that thing. Um, so when you buy a shorter band, you might only need one or two in the beginning. The longer bar, I would just skip completely. Um, The longer bar is almost always requested by people who have done a lot of weightlifting over the years and they have a preference. They do want a wider grip on some exercises. Um, I've been working out my whole life. I could probably be a little happier with the longer bar, but I haven't bothered getting one. It's just not that big of a deal to me. You know, again, we kind of come back to why did we used to work out? And I'll be the first one to say um, to look good. I mean, that was the biggest reason, if I'm honest. I lifted all those weights. I wasn't really looking at how much it might affect my health. I didn't really understand any of that anyway. I was really just trying to look better. So what happens then is you're you're doing a certain workout and, and all of a sudden you start going, wow, why is my... Why are the front deltoids on my shoulders getting so big and my chest just won't grow? 
Well, it's going to be hand placement on the bar. If I go out wider, now I can activate the pecs more than the deltoids. I mean, that that's really what this is all about. It's more like the the bodybuilders trying to get the perfect balance and work each muscle to the exact size they want it to be. And in my mind now, I, I'm not working out to, to have the perfect physique. Now I'm doing it to be healthy. And for me, I just really don't want the complication of another bar. Well, I don't believe I would either. I think I'd just start simple and keep it that way. And I, I guess I never worked out because I was working out between Correct. the right. hay and the feed bags and the seed bags and the, the uh, machinery parts. And, and now I didn't need to go work out. Good and grief. In reality, that's a much better workout. That's a much healthier workout. Really is. Oh, it was then. Yeah, exactly. But since my, uh, now that I'm driving now right. in a second career, why it's just not, you just don't get that. You just, Correct. boy, just right. don't get that. So, and, all and, right, well, I'll probably and, just order the basic kit and try it. You know, and, the, and that is exactly why we looked for a good way for drivers to be able to do resistance training on the road. Resistance training is critical to health. There's no doubt about it. It is, in my opinion, after diet, um, it is the single most important thing we can do as we age for sure. You know, the 30-year-olds can probably skip a lot of this and not really notice. I would highly recommend everybody at every age do this, but it becomes critically important as we age. One of the biggest factors that, that really start to um, push people into poor health is just weakness. And this is the way you avoid that. Uh, we can be very strong um, well into our upper ages as long as we keep doing some sort of resistance training. And if you, you have a lifestyle or a job where you're, you're lifting. Now, he, here's another limitation to the job kind of part of it, though. And it, it's not that big of a deal. But at some point, you know, I, I look at people like uh, bricklayers. You know, we, we do a lot of stonework around here. It's just the way things are. So I look at these guys, they're not muscular at all. They are lifting seriously heavy stuff all day long. They're not muscular because your body gets accustomed to that weight. That's why we have four different bands. Uh, that's why we have different weights. When you do, you know, formal resistance training with weights or bands, you keep increasing the resistance and you get stronger and stronger and stronger. And, and anytime you want to quit doing that, you can. Uh, so there is somewhat of a difference between this kind of resistance training and, and lifting heavy stuff throughout your day. Now, are all the bands, they're wider, so they're more resistant. So would you use the same band for all the prescribed exercises no. for a while until no. you got used to it, or you'd use one and then the other, you know, so here's, see what I'm asking. I do. And I can explain it. And, and there's a method to this that works really well. So we like to stick to it. And, and this really came from Dr. Jake wishes research. Um, I said many, many times, this is one of those areas that I had wrong. I'm weightlifting and I owned a gym. I coached people on this, but I didn't have it completely right. Now, were we getting results? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, people that consistently lifted weights, even if you did it wrong, you got stronger and you built muscle mass. Um, but we now know there's a better way. And I'm certainly always open to better ways. We had the, the whole concept wrong. We were 
doing multiple exercises for every muscle, multiple sets of each exercise, and taking a lot of time to do it. And this method, I, I can't imagine doing this in any less time. I mean, he, he really nailed it with this. And, and what he figured out was instead of multiple exercises and multiple sets, do one exercise per muscle and just one set. And when I first read that, I thought, you got to be kidding me. That's not even a warm up, but it works. And that's all that matters to me. Do you get results? I saw results so fast that there was no way you could deny this works. And I was blown away by how instead of two hours in the gym, like I used to do six days a week, now I was doing 10 to 15 minutes three times a week and getting better results. So the, the method is that you pick a band that will allow you to do somewhere between 15 and 30 reps and that you end in failure. Meaning if you get to 30 and you're still pushing that all the way out and extending, that band was too light because we don't want to go past 30. That's too much. If you pick a band and you get to 10 and you just can't move it anymore, and now you're doing half or even less, that band is too heavy. You want to pick a band that pushes you to failure somewhere between 15 and 30 reps. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense, and it's just going to have to be a personalized yes. customization to yep. figure it all out, then, isn't it? Exactly. And, and it will only take you a couple workouts. I mean, you'll pick up the, the bar, and you'll go to do your chest press, and you'll put the first band that you think is right, and within one set, you're going to know. All right. Well, that answered my question pretty much. I just was curious after hearing Bruce about it yesterday, it just kind of hit home. I don't know what it is. It just kind of well, kind of clicked, you know? Good. You know, See, he's got it, more effect than he, than he thinks, you know? You know, that's, you know, I've said all the time, I, I, I feel blessed that this show has been so effective in helping people. And I, I've, I've speculated, I think the reason is just the pure repetition. It's on every day. We talk about this stuff every day. And after a while, almost all of it will start to sink in somewhere. Yep. All right, Kevin. I so thank you much for all you do for us, and I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Great call, by the way. I love that kind of stuff. Um, speaking of calls, not really sure if you were just so in, in, uh, enthralled with what we were talking about there. I didn't get a single new phone call. I've got one to go to, but uh, this is the only one on the board. So I may have an early day today, or you should probably call in one of the two. Let's go to Texas. James, welcome to the program. Oh, wait a minute. My board is not responding. Maybe it's me. Maybe there are calls and I just don't see them. Let me try to refresh here. Uh-oh. Um, my board is not responding, so I might have to restart the call system. Hold on one second. Uh, I should learn how to talk while I try to fix things, but uh, my brain just doesn't work that way. All right, let's see what happens now. There we go, and I actually see a new call there. And a couple coming in. So it was definitely on my end. Let's go to James now. There we go. James, welcome back. 
Yeah, did you get my nuts and cues? I did. All right. Um, kind of think back to when you did this. This was March 2nd of this year. How were you feeling then, digestive-wise? Let's just stick to digestion right now. And what's changed since then specifically? Well, I was having no no uh, heartburn or anything. Or right now, I feel like my stomach's bloated. My stools are soft, and uh, I I've went through times where my stools were kind of messed up, but never anything like now. Where now, now I go two or three days, and it used to be regular every day. Got it. Okay. Um, and you're having more heartburn. So we just an overall kind of digestive breakdown. Uh, things just aren't working as good as they were. Um, yeah, and everybody, like I said, my my my, uh, my diet hasn't, you know. Well, we're going to like say it's not. We're going to come back to that. So hold okay. on with the diet. We'll come back to that really specifically. I do want to clarify one thing because you just mentioned it. Um, we can have perfect digestion, have no problems whatsoever. We can have good stomach acid. No SIBO going on. Our small intestines are working properly. Our liver, gallbladder, pancreas are all doing their job. Um, we can have good gut bacteria even, um, and everything can be working great. And then one day it all goes to hell. We, we've got diarrhea and we're wondering why. One of the things we need to remember, that could happen and nothing is wrong with your digestive system. We could get bad bacteria from food. We There are lots of things that could cause a temporary upset to our digestive system, even though nothing's wrong. So we, we just need to remember that. Every bout of diarrhea doesn't mean, you know, something's broken and we got to go fix it. When the problems become consistent, like you're describing, then we do need to go back and try to figure out why. So where we would start is always diet. And you say your diet hasn't changed, but one of the things that can happen is we either add or drop a food, one specific food, and we don't really think of that as like our diet didn't change. You know, we didn't go back to eating the standard American diet or, you know, we didn't really stop eating keto or carnivore or whatever we're eating. We may have just added or dropped a food or two. So I want you to try to think between now and March, are, are there any specific foods that maybe were a big part of your diet and you dropped or weren't a big part of your diet and you started eating them? Something like, I don't know, nuts or dairy or has anything like that occurred? No, I've, uh, I've, I've, I eat, I eat nuts and mostly beef and some chicken and you know avocados and look, some vegetables. I might eat one grain a month, maybe if that. Okay. Um, but everything's it's, okay. it's just in the past couple of weeks. It's just it's just it's crazy. The, and it's constantly the next, like I'm cramping or my stomach feels bloated. The next clue I heard was that bloating. So you know when we're doing this stuff, it's it's kind of like detective work. You know you got to look for clues. And then follow the clues to see if that could be the problem. So we, we've checked diet. Nothing really changed enough to cause this. The next symptom I heard is this bloating. So does it feel like it's kind of up at the top of your stomach and you're belching? Yeah, I don't belch very often. Okay. So one of the possibilities when we hear about bloating, is does the bloating tend to occur 
within an hour or a couple hours of eating? No, it feels that way all the time. Okay. And that's I don't a, even really feel hungry, but I know I have enough. to eat. Yeah, that's you know? enough. Well, hold on. Let me correct you. You don't have to eat. You're not going to die if you don't. Well, that's true. I, I still believe in the whole mantra of eat when you're hungry and don't eat when you're not. Even if that meant for a couple of days. If you just really don't feel like eating, then don't. Okay. Uh, that makes sense to me, too. But Now, and I, that, that probably won't fix this, but it, it might stop it from getting worse. If, if something's going on and we just keep forcing food down the chute, it may not be able to clear itself up. I, I'm leaning towards that this is SIBO. I, I think you've got, and, and this is one of those things that can go wrong, even if we're doing a lot of things right. Um, you got some bacteria that decided to take up residence in your small intestine where it doesn't belong. That's what SIBO is. We want the bacteria mm-hmm. in the large intestine. That's where it belongs. That's where it can do its job. When, it, when we get bacteria into the small intestine, it starts fermenting food. And it, the, the, the gases created from fermentation have nowhere to go. And that's what causes the bloated feeling and the pain and the cramping. And you've got gas building up in your upper intestine, your small intestine. And that's what this sounds like. And, and again, it can occur even if we're doing a lot of things right. Um, the good news is this is one of those conditions we actually have a supplement for. Uh, I don't know if you've heard me talk about Atrantil. We, we've had the, um, the, the doctor who created Atrantil is a traditional gastroenterologist. He still practices, you know, in hospitals. And um, he developed this product even for people who are just on the standard American diet. And he developed it because he realized the traditional practices weren't working. Um, in the traditional practices, if you could convince a traditional doctor that you have SIBO, some of them don't understand it, don't believe it's real, what they will prescribe for you is an antibiotic to kill the bacteria. And it yeah. actually works for a while, but it tends to come back because something has created the condition that allowed it to happen. The Atrantil actually addresses the root cause of SIBO and gets rid of it. And if it doesn't, some cases are a little more difficult. They've, they've over the years, developed a product called Atrantil Pro, which we also carry, which is for the stubborn cases that won't go away with the first round. Normally, we don't need it, but occasionally we do, and it really works well on those tough cases. So based on the the symptoms and your history, this is one of those rare times where I'm actually going to tell you we've got a supplement alone that might fix this. Okay. Uh, I, th- I had thought about that, but I like to say I wanted to speak with you first and see where I need to go from there. It's terrible. It's constant in my throat where it just feels like it's constant heartburn. I mean, it's in the back of my throat. You taste it constantly. <sighs> So with the, you know, let's still start with the SIBO. I, I don't think your stomach acid changed that fast. You know, it, it, it now this could turn out to be some store, sort of a stomach um, issue with a bacteria or a virus. Um, that may be if this 
the Yatrantil approach doesn't work, that may be the next place we would have to go. We would have to start looking at things that could occur in the stomach itself. So really what what I'm telling you is we don't know what's wrong. This is like one of those, you know, intermittent electrical problems in the truck. We can't get enough good data to really figure out what's wrong. So we just start the troubleshooting process, which is mostly just a process of elimination. What's the most likely thing? And right now I think that's SIBO. Let's try that. If SIBO doesn't work, the next likely place to look would be the stomach. So that would be next. But let's focus on the uh, the SIBO and the Altron Teal right now and see what we can do with that. Okay, I mean, uh, just one being uh, diagnosed with that Barrett's esophagus years ago. That doesn't that wouldn't have any come into play with the with I, my throat. I'm not gonna say or that yet. It might, and again, this is a. But I, I believe okay. that Barrett's esophagus is not a real disease. That it is a symptom of low stomach acid. And a lot of people on the standard American diet have low stomach acid. And over the years, that can yeah. cause some reflux. Then the reflux can cause Barrett's. And so I, I, I just think that that's, we treat that as though it's a disease. And I just think it's a symptom. I got you. I understand that. So get the Altron Teal and go from there. Should I, I go ahead and do another NutriCube? Yes. Do yeah, another NutriCube? Yeah, okay, you know, I will. And, and the reason is, again, I'm trying to ask you about symptoms, and it's hard on the phone. But when you, you've sure. been through a NutriCube, yeah. you, you know, it gets you to focus on very specific things. Mm-hmm. And then you recall, you go, oh, yeah, that has been bothering me somewhat more now. So it's a really powerful yeah. tool. Okay. So, yeah, I would do it. And that way... You know, if you call me in a couple of days or in a week or whatever and, and things aren't working right, then I'll have even more information. Gotcha. All right, sir. I certainly appreciate you, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. We'll get this figured out. It may take a little bit, but uh, I don't think there's ever been a digestive problem we haven't been able to. Oh, no, I won't say that. Um, there isn't a natural digestion problem that we haven't been able to fix. And I mean that. We, we have solved all kinds of digestive issues many, many times. The one thing we can't fix, if you've had parts removed or digestive surgery of any kind, if you've had, you know, any of the weight loss surgeries, all bets are off. I mean, we'll try to help you and we'll do the best we can, but I can't fix everything anymore. If you've had your gallbladder removed, I will never be able to make your digestion perfect. It's just not going to happen. We can help a lot. We can't fix it. Um, if you've had your colon removed, I don't even know what the hell's going to happen to people that have had, you know, massive parts or all of their colon removed. Um, we don't know how to deal with that. But other than that, if you've got all your parts intact and you're willing to work at it, I, I can't think of a single digestive issue we haven't been able to fix. Let's, uh, let's go to Indianapolis this time. Colton, welcome. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Good. What's on your mind today? Hey, um, well, gallbladder, actually. Uh, to start out, I was actually running uh, off-haul for some chicken plants, and I ended up getting salmonella pretty bad. Now, um, I, I want you know, to go trailer. back. You said the word was off. I know this is a hard word to say right because it always sounds like it's coming out like awful. 
awful O F F A L, right? All like the um, the pieces and parts of no, chicken. No, off. Yes, yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that would be it. Okay, and, uh, got it. Contracted the salmonella real good, uh, pretty bad, um, and uh, I I just assume you know I touched the trailer and you know without a glove on and you know didn't didn't wash my hand very right. well or something. So, but then after that, my digestion was really messed up. But yes. you know, I, I worked through it, and um, then not even four months later, um, I didn't even know what was going on, uh, and started getting real bad pains and didn't know what it was. Ended up going to the hospital in the middle of Ohio um, just for them to tell me it was gallstones and that I had sludge and gallstones built up. And I worked through the pain on those several times, and they wanted to remove it, and I just kept telling them no. Good for you. And it's it's kind of went away, but not 100%. Okay. Um, so um, every now and then, if I eat something real fatty, right. um, I, I'll get a little bit. You know, pain there, but it won't be nowhere near as bad as it was before. Good. So I believe Good. the stones have passed, or the big ones have. But what what can I do with it to you know make sure I get it completely cleaned up? Yeah, good. I I like this story. This story can have a happy ending. Um, too many of these stories end up with pieces and parts being yanked out, and then we can't. I mean, you're a great example of what I was just talking about. Um, but you did the right thing. Yep. We have all the parts to work with, and we can fix this. We always have. We always will. I'm confident of it. Uh, when pieces are gone, then I'm confident I can't ever fix it completely. You just can't. There's, there's function right. that it just doesn't exist anymore. Um, now, the other thing I want to say, and I, I don't think you're confusing this, but I want to make sure nobody else is, the salmonella incident had nothing to do with the gallbladder issues. They're two totally, com- completely different things. And I, I can hear you understand that. Right. I want to make sure everybody else does. Um, and the salmonella is yeah, an excellent example of what I was just talking about. You can have perfect digestion. Yeah. You can do all the work. Everything is working great. And something like this, salmonella bacteria, will make a mess of your digestion. If you were, you know, to mm-hmm. happen to get something like C. diff uh, somehow, that would be even worse. And, and that can wipe out somebody who has perfect digestion. So there are still issues we could deal with. Um, I, I'm assuming that you are working with big chicken houses. Uh, I was. Um, yeah. um we all know they, they, you know, the big name has kind of been hurt. And so I ended up leaving because I, I couldn't get you know enough revenue to keep going. Right. Um, I was sitting too much. Right. So I'm, I'm back over the road again running reefer now. You know, the I, I, I handle my chicken. Now that I have chickens, I can talk about this. Um, I, you know, I handle my yeah. chickens all day long. I handle the eggs all day long. Um, I really, if it were completely up to me. I wouldn't wash the eggs and I probably wouldn't refrigerate them. Uh, Lisa's a little weird about that. So that's fine. We wash them, we refrigerate them, but I I handle the chickens. I clean out the chicken coop. I deal with the eggs Mm -hmm. and I'm not big on washing my hands throughout the day. I'm just not, I I don't think it's natural. I don't think it's necessary. I know people get all freaked out about it. And and I realize I could even in a small you know, chicken up operation or dealing with animals. And uh, yeah, I could pick up some bacteria somewhere. I, 
Right. And be- and believe it or not, you know, like chickens at the house, like on a homestead or something, 99, uh, they showed a study, 99% of those actually don't have salmonella. Exactly. You that's kind of my point, from, right? From the big farms. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So that's kind yeah. of my point. Yes, I realize chickens and eggs and chicken manure and, and it, those things can be dangerous in these big operations. But in nature, mm-hmm. when things are much closer to working naturally, the chickens go out and run around. All there, A couple of them are sitting right in front of my window right now wondering when I'm going to come out and play. I, you know, that's, <laughs> that's a very different setup than, you know, giant chicken houses with hundreds of thousands of chickens in there. So I, I don't yeah. worry about salmonella or E. coli or all these other things. It could happen. I get that. But I also know I've got a pretty damn strong immune system. And yeah, I might have some digestive yeah. issues for a while and I'll get over it. And my immune system probably gets stronger from it. But you're dealing with these big chicken houses. Some of that bacteria gets really dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't worry about a small dose of salmonella or E. coli. The, the dose matters. If I'm only exposed to a little bit of those things, it, that's kind of like being inoculated. That's why I don't wash my hands every day, so that I am exposed to small amounts of all of these bacteria and viruses and yeast and fungi. That's what trains your immune system, to be exposed to small amounts all of the time. When we hyper-sanitize everything, wash our hands constantly, then that little dose becomes a problem. And if you get a big dose, you're really in trouble. I mean, these things can kill people. So, you know, we, we just yeah. need to get back to not hyper-sanitizing, but also not having these giant animal operations that create the back. And it's not just limited to animals. I mean, it's about every week I see some sort of a recall on lettuce or produce of some kind that got bacteria, you know, and those are almost always from big farming operations again. So um, the the way... We should probably tackle this one. Um, First off, we want to support the gallbladder as much as possible right now because the gallbladder is being affected. And again, that's a separate issue. Uh, You've done all the right things so far. I would just add a few things. Um, Are you consuming apple cider vinegar at all daily? No. I would add that. I would add a a couple of good shots of apple cider vinegar every day. One of the things that will do, it's not instant, it's, but it can help to start dissolve stones, uh, citrus, um, lemon or lime juice in water. Um, you can do lemon and lime juice in your water all day long. Um, apple cider vinegar, I might do a a shot once or twice a day. Um, and you can do both. You know, start adding lemon or lime juice to your water. Uh, We have a protocol that would do this. I don't think you're going to need it. I I think we can just, um, you've already made progress and things are already getting better. So let's just continue um, without using the nuclear option right now. Uh, So add some apple cider vinegar. I would also start taking um, the fat digestion kit. So we have a a kit in the store that's... um, all for fat digestion. Now, one kit is going to say if you have your gallbladder, and the other kit's going to say if you don't have your gallbladder. Guess which one I want you to take. Okay. The one without? Correct. 
even though you have a gallbladder, this first time I want you to take so the, the liver start working. Yep. Yeah, we, we wanna we wanna give the gallbladder some help with a little extra bile that will take away some of the discomfort right away. And we're still getting all okay. of the good nutrients to support the gallbladder. So I would go through one round of the fat digestion kit without gallbladder. So you're taking the beta plus that has the bile salts in it. Plus it has a lot of nutrients to support and start to help flush that gallbladder and get it healthy again. It's got nutrients then it will thin the bile. When they start talking about sludge, you've got overly thick bile that doesn't move well through your liver and your gallbladder. So there are nutrients in the fat digestion kit that will help to clean up that sludge and start to thin out the bile. So I I think one round of that kit, some apple cider vinegar, some lemon and lime in your water, I think you'll, you'll, uh, you'll beat this one. Okay. Awesome. Sounds good. I did have a question. Uh, if you've seen, uh, show on netflix called what the health i don't think i've watched that one yet i've watched so many of these documentaries but i don't think i've watched that one yet that one was uh it it was pretty interesting uh pretty shocking um what was the basis uh, of interviews and there were people actually uh i'm probably getting two of them confused because i watched two uh two different ones um but uh what the health i believe was uh basically like you know what they're putting in our meats, uh, you know, and all the, all the guys, you know, are tending to the, the big guys, you know, McDonald's, KFC, and they're, you know, producing that really fast. And like, and it's leading into our food that's in the grocery store, even though we're not buying that product that's, you know, at McDonald's, it, they're still feeding those animals the exact same stuff. And it's just showing like, you know, okay. all the stuff they're feeding it, passing it into Absolutely. the, uh, into the meat process. I have not seen that one. I I would recognize that storyline. I haven't seen that one. I I completely agree with what they're saying. And um, my wife, Lisa, was involved in the the food supply system for a couple decades. Uh, She was a restaurant consultant. So uh, she saw the worst of the worst. The the big food companies, the big food distributors that supply restaurants also supply schools, hospitals, and jails. And that was the worst of the worst. We we treat our children the same way we treat criminals when it comes to food. How awful is that? So uh, the food supply is horribly broken, but... Um, she's always told me stories of how much the fast food industry affects our food supply chain. When McDonald's decides it's going to bring back the McRib sandwich, it's chaos in the food world. When some you know fast food restaurant develops some new chicken product, that when chicken nuggets first came out, not that there's a whole lot of chicken in them, but uh, uh, you know the fast food industry is such a behemoth that every time they create a new product like this, it's just total chaos. Yeah, and there was uh, another one too. It was uh, poison uh, on that on that place as well. But I think what the health uh, kind of leads towards more of 
a vegan or vegetarian diet. Which, that, that's what you know, I was. Like, that's I what I was keto wondering. And stuff and whatnot, but right. Many. Yeah, of, it does push towards that. Okay. So. Okay, so I agree with yeah. their premise. I agree with them on what the problem is. We totally disagree on the solution. Mm-hmm. The fact that. The fast food and restaurant industry uses horrible farming practices and and feeds animals uh, (laughs) horribly does not mean that we should stop eating animals. We we should just start raising our animals properly. Yeah. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was poisoned. Um, They talk about uh, just all the other stuff. Um, And uh, there was an interview the guy did with a, a uh, hospital or doctor and they the hospital told him no he can't interview the doctor and security walked him out and was trying to get <laughs> why he couldn't do it and they basically said because we're in this for the money like we we just we don't fix people we just give them a temporary solution because you know then that's lost income that's basically Correct. what the guy said on camera she's he's absolutely and right i'm shocked was, uh, that he was willing to admit it but He's absolutely correct. I, I don't, I'm not sure if he actually knew he was on camera because he was blurred out. He right. was just a, a security right. officer of the facility. So but yeah. it's pretty interesting, though. That is. And and look, I definitely check those out if you haven't. Yeah, I I watch all this stuff when I can. So, uh, you know, I'll take that back. I don't. I won't watch What the Health. I've seen it before. I I was trying to remember if that was one of those kind of vegan propaganda shows. And and you're right, it Mm -hmm. is. I won't watch those. I'm not going to learn anything from them. Like I said, I already agree with their premise. So I agree with them on that. Right. And I'm not going to learn anything from their solution. I'm absolutely not going down that path. So I just just don't watch those. They frustrate me too much. Um, The poisoned one, that one might be interesting. And I I do like watching that stuff. But uh, yeah, 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 that that one talks about some of the stuff that's like cancer leading, causing and what's, you know, they actually are putting it in the food and, you know, your shredded cheese and it's got this and that in it. Like you should shred your own cheese because then it actually would. Yeah. It's pretty interesting to watch, though. It, it, it is. Um, and we need more of those. There, There's, you know, big pharma, big medicine, big agriculture, big government. They are all pushing hard uh, against all of this stuff. And they have lots and lots of money. So I, I've actually not oh, yeah. been directly involved in any of these documentaries. But I have talked to people and spent quite a bit of time with people who were. Um, Rob Wolf did the, um, documentary. I can't remember the name of it now, um, about the, 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 the meat industry, um, and, you know, properly Mm -hmm. raising animals regenerative that I can't remember the name of it, but that was a good one. Um, but these documentaries are expensive to make. They take a long time. They're hard to get distribution. They're hard to get people to, to watch them. Um, so when I do see these, I see how much work and effort goes into them. I do try to promote them to get people to watch them. Right. Yep. So that's, that's all I had was just the gallbladder for today. So. All right. Well, give that a shot and then uh, call me back and let me know how it's going. All righty. All right. Thanks for the call. You know, I, I said, I'm very, very confident that we can solve digestive issues. We always do, but I will also tell you this. It's almost never a slam dunk, try one thing and be done. It's always a troubleshooting process. 
Let's uh, let's go to South Carolina this time. Terrence, welcome. Terrence, are you there? Hmm, that's odd. Oh, there you go. Hold on. Oh, you oh, can you hear are. me? There you, you hear are. me? Yep. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I had you muted. Of course you did. <laughs> so I, I got a couple of things. Right. Um, for, for Jerry with the X3 bar, it's just, it, you know he, I'm five ten. And so, I mean, the regular band, uh, in the beginning, if, if he didn't, isn't, hasn't been doing any kind of weightlifting, which I wasn't, you, you, those, just, those bands are going to work fine because, exactly. you know what I mean? When he starts off, yeah, you know, he's going to, hell no. Right. And the biggest thing, only uh, advice I can say to him is, you, you know, when you get, go to do it, if the first time you do it, you'll, like you said, get, if you can do pump 30 out and it's, you know, not fast. Then you know to just change it to the next time. Yeah, to, to the right. higher band, and yeah. then but like like that black band, you might as well take that black band. You could use that for something else because I've tried that like one or two times, and <laughs> it's I, I I hope to get to be able to move it, but yeah, me too. But I don't think but, it's going to happen. But right now, I use it for a toe strap in my car. Good. I know. So the. The other thing too, yeah. The other thing too about that guy was talking about with digestion. I had that for years before I started eating keto and all that, and I actually burned my esophagus. Yeah. Well, I was, I was forget what I was eating. I think it might have been like a uh, frozen pizza, something quick. And it was back when I was younger. Come home, you know, after a couple of long night of alcoholic beverages and <laughs> you know trying to wolf food down and right. and, and scorch and it. And it created scar tissue. Wow. So, like, if I went to go, like, eat, yeah, if I went to go eat, like, egg salad or, uh, like, tuna fish, and when I went to swallow, it would, my, it would get caught in my throat. Huh. Well, you know, so I'd have to drink water with, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, hence, you know, I, uh, when I got older, one Fourth of July was, came home, I had a bunch of meat on the grill, and I, I got a food bolus. I think I told, I had to go to, I had to go to the, oh, right. to the ER, and they had the, yeah. they tried to give you the, the stuff to you know, help you throw up or to create saliva didn't have. They had to come in, which is a funny joke. I said, this is the same guy that did my throat, the same guy that uh, did my colonoscopy when I woke up. But, it, <laughs> you know, it wasn't, hopefully it wasn't the same scope. Exactly. So, so he, so he, but they, what he did was, they, he, when he went in and for the food balls, he noticed that there was scar tissue. They have a procedure. I mean, I'm sure you probably heard of it. Well, they put this like a, it's almost like a, um, a ring for fitting rings. Like a, for your ring finger, and they put this thing in your throat, and it it it, it, it works like the, the the esophagus muscles, and and they and they did that. They supposedly they go, well, you'll you'll probably have to come back in like six months. We'll do it again. I was like, after the first time, I'm like, I didn't feel any difference in it, but it you know it it was, it, it helped. But then I started eating cleaner, and I still sometimes like I said, if I don't chew my food right. I have, you know, not, I just say a tough time swallowing, but I, you know, if I get a big piece of meat, I don't chew all the way. I, you know, I'll have a tr I'll have trouble with it. So I always try, you know, which I don't like to drink water when I'm, but I, when every time I eat something, I always have a glass of water or something to drink right. when I'm eating. Right. Just for that reason. But again, it's so it's the soft, that, that, that thing that he said he had, it's crazy. But like I said, just to, to have that when I was, you know, burned at that time was like awful. I mean, if it like, What's the only thing good about it for like weeks? I couldn't really eat. I couldn't even. Biggest thing I could, you know, the old trick, like with your tonsils, have ice cream, you know, anything that was soothing to it. But 
Right. It was, it was he, just crazy. Yeah, when he mentioned the Barrett's esophagus, the reason I say I don't consider it a, a disease, I consider it a symptom, it's where the, the cells of the lower esophagus, way down by where it connects to your stomach, the cells actually start to change, and it causes problems. Well, well, they're changing because they keep getting exposed to acid out of the stomach, and that's not supposed to happen. Stomach, right, yeah. So to me, that's not a disease. Uh, yeah. That's just a symptom. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I, I mean, I put my apple cider vinegar in my, my um, cardio miracle, and I mean, that's, that's a quick way of getting it. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you're yeah. doing that cardio miracle, it's, it's a really quick way of getting it. So. Yeah. All right, yeah, I just figured I'd let Jerry know. Like, Jerry, like I said, one, and Kevin, you notice, I mean, I've got to preach about this all the time. There's nothing like it. Like I said, I was hurting on Monday, I, you know, from after the wedding and all that. Right. And, and, and it's COVID killing me. But I did my X3 bar. I did it, I did it uh, Tuesday, and I did it again this morning. And this morning, I was on the second workout, and I actually broke a sweat in 10 minutes. Like I said, I get up 15 minutes earlier every month. That's uh, awesome. Fortunately enough, I, I, I go home every night. Right. You know, I, I'm able to come. I come home. I, I can pack my own lunch. But I got up in the morning, and, and I did my I, thing. And I broke a sweat in less than 10 minutes. I just thought of something. So when, when you were saying that, so I've talked about this in, in, in the past. Things that cause, like, addiction or cravings. Uh, one of the best examples that a lot of people can relate to is alcohol. Can you remember the first time you tasted alcohol? Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you like it? No. No. Un- un- I remember my father handed me a beer and <laughs> yeah, un- or any kind of alcohol, yeah. Unless somebody mixes you some crazy, fruity, really sweet drink <laughs> with some alcohol in it, you're probably not going to like the taste of alcohol. I, I don't know many human beings that actually liked the taste of beer the first time they drank it. Whiskey or hard liquor, almost never, uh, and even wine. I mean, what $100 bottles of wine most people would spit out the first time they tasted it. But we get used yeah, to yeah. it. And, and why do we go back to consume something that we absolutely hated the taste of? Well, the reason we do is because once we got past the taste, it made us feel good. We like the good, way yeah. alcohol makes us feel. It relaxes us, makes us a little happy. So we, we think, oh, well, you know, I only had to deal with that bad taste for two seconds, and I felt better for two hours. So we keep doing it, and pretty soon we actually develop a taste for it, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Now we like it. Now we certainly don't want to quit because it tastes good and we feel better. So we don't quit. That's how we get addicted. Why doesn't that happen with things like working out? You always feel better after you work out, don't you? I always do. Yeah. Yep. I have yep. to force myself to do but it you know because I-, I don't really like the process of working out. But I love the way I feel after, but that never seems to stick quite as much. Now, I know some people will, you know, they say, oh, I'm addicted to the runner's high. And and some people get there. I've never gotten there in my life. I have never gotten to the point where working out was so much fun. I just really wanted to go do it. No, you know what it is, Kevin. Because like, I mean, you 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 owned a gym. But like, remember in the early '80s when they had all these big gyms with the Nautilus machines and all oh, that yeah. crap. 
That's yeah. when I was I was working out a little bit. Then the next big craze was the life cycle. Well, right. I'm the dumbass that went out and bought a four thousand uh, dollar life cycle back in the you know that was late. Right. and again, again I, I was all gung ho into right. it to have it in my basement. But four months later, they turned into a, a clothing rack. Of course, and yeah. you know, yeah. But uh, I like I said, doing just doing this for that. This, and it's and it's not the matter of the time. It's just how good you feel for that short. When you get out of it, like you, you, I feel, like it's like I said, it gets your blood flowing. So, and whatever time of the day, different people people like working out late, different times. Right. I did it. I, I it works for me in the morning, and I, I just feel better. I start my day. I I take I take my fourteen minute ride to work. I get in my truck and I start my day off, and I, I feel fine. Yeah. But yeah, that's you know, it's the initial startup to do it. So I, I, there have been. 10,000 times where I sat there and argued with myself about working out or not. I know I need to go do it. I don't have time. I don't feel like it. Um, there has never been a single time where I worked out and then regretted doing it. Never. I always, I'm always glad that I, that I do it. I'm just wondering why it never sticks as much as I would like it to. Mm. I don't mean like I can. I can say now this you can see. I can notice it. I, oh, I just I'm, I just turned fifty nine, and it's like I, I mean I just as strong as I was when I was humping appliances, humping refrigerators around when I was like twenty twenty eight years old. And that's a good feeling. It's a good feeling to feel oh, yeah. strong again. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So. All right, let someone else get in there. Yeah, but like I said, Jerry, just try, if he gets it, just stick with it. And it's real easy, you know, and you don't got to get crazy. He could do it like a Monday and Tuesday and then do right. a Thursday and a Friday. You take take your time off. You don't, and, and if he only wants to do the one more, you know, one time, two times a week, it's just the initial startup. And once you get through it, it, it really is an incredible feeling. That's what works good. Excellent. So, Great right. feedback. Appreciate it. Let's, uh, let's go to Kansas this time. Harold, welcome to the program. Thank you, Kevin. Always appreciate your knowledge and good words. You were talking about um, movies or documentaries, and I heard one that was done by the people that just did the uh, child sex trafficking movie, the big one that oh, the liberals yeah. hated. Yeah, but, but he's doing one. He's doing one now. I, I couldn't remember it either. Otherwise, I'd have said it. But he's working on one called Common Ground, which is about regenerative farming. Really. And I believe it's coming out real soon. So if the people that saw the other one see this one, that could have a huge impact on this country, <laughs> I, which would not be a bad thing. Absolutely. I'm looking this up right now because I want to, uh, well, there's the website. Um, it looks like it might. Yeah. Oh, it's in theaters now. Oh, it is? Yeah. I, well, I don't go to theaters much, but. but yeah, uh, I don't. I, it sounded good. I heard, I heard the guy that made it on an interview on Fox Business the other day, I think, and it sounded right along the lines of what you've been telling us for years. Oh, hey, wait a and minute. And what Joel Salison's doing. Wait a minute. I wonder if this is fate. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm a week off. Darn. This is actually showing at a theater in Eugene, Oregon. Um, which I'm, that's where my truck is, right down by you, or my coach, not my truck. Um, right. But it's next weekend, not this weekend. And next weekend, I'll be on my, <laughs> um, I'll be on my way to Nashville. Oh, I would, right. I would have absolutely gone to see this at a theater. I haven't been to a theater in years. 
but I would have gone to see this. Let me see if there's any. Uh, no, that's the only Oregon showing right now. Yeah, my family went to see the other one. I didn't go because I yeah, just I don't go either. to movies very much. But but uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just thought I'd pass that along. I heard you talking about it. And I have a question for you. Sure. As a car hauler, when I'm pulling on the tie-down bar, does it simulate the X3 bar at all? No. <laughs> nope. Not at all. Huh? And then I kind of hear you <laughs> laughing, so I, I, I think you already knew the answer. But I'll explain to people why. It's kind of like um, what I said about people who, who, in their everyday job, they lift heavy stuff all the time, like bricklayers and you right. know, guys that work with big stones. And it, they've been doing it for 30 years. They don't look like they lift weights. You don't see any musculature on them at all. And the reason is your, right. your, your body um, adapts quickly. So when you first started the job, that was a really hard thing for your muscle to do. Within a couple weeks, your body adapts to that level and that's it. You're not going to see any more growth from that because one, think about the way I describe how you have to do the X3 bar to get the best results. So you want to work to failure somewhere between 15 and 30 reps, meaning when I get to 18, I can't straighten my arms out anymore. They, they won't go. I just can't do it no matter how hard I push. I may be at three quarters there. Well, I keep doing three quarters until I can't do three quarters anymore. And my, my arms will only push out halfway and I still keep trying. Then when I, 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 I'm just done, I can't possibly push this damn thing one more time. That's the workout. Does that ever happen when you're loading cars? <laughs> no. That's why it's not going to no, do you any good. No, it doesn't. Right? I've been doing these. For, <laughs> right. I've been doing this for now, 25 years. Now but, let me uh, say this: I, I, is it is it better to be a car hauler with your level of activity or somebody who does drop and hook all the time? Well, ab absolutely. You know, the so activity you're doing is good. Because... Right. Right. It's good for you yes, to be that active. But it doesn't replace I heard one. resistance training. Okay, so I'm going to have to get that to, to supplement my daily activity then, huh? or a if few you, times a week activity. If you want to stay really strong, yes. Now, again, your, your job would keep you stronger and healthier than most drivers, but there's still a lot more you could do. Well, I do kind of feel like one of your other callers said the other day, I feel like a chipmunk on crack at 73 years old. <laughs> at 73? I, I was man, surprised. I love that. <laughs> and, uh, and no medication. Uh, I do that. take, uh, I've take, I've taken many vitamins all my life, and I know you're, you're not a big fan of that, but, but I, I don't know. I've stayed pretty healthy doing it. And I think I just it's better feel, than I, You know, I've changed, you know, I changed the way I ate, and that, made a lot of difference right listen right. but it's like many of us on here we listen to you and then slowly but surely we we think well maybe i need to do that you know yeah yeah but uh no this uh, thank you for this it, it, um, recommendation this looks like a really good move this looks like it was done really well it sounded like it to me and and i thought you might know about it already. I'm glad. I'm glad to, to spread the word because the, the more people that hear the good stuff, the better our country can be in our world right now that's falling apart. Yeah, you know, but, I completely agree with that. And a lot of people might not think that this is that big of a deal. 
I think it could be one of the most important things we could do to start turning this country around in several ways. That would help. Yes. I first heard about Joel Salatin when I read um, the, the Omnivore's Dilemma. Yes. Good years book ago. By Michael Pollan. And, and exactly. And and I thought I had never really thought too much about stuff like that. You know, you just go through life eating what's available and, and it really made you think about things. And then I've heard all your interviews. Well, not all of them, but many of your interviews with him. And he's just such an incredible guy. Yeah. Um, so I, I so. loved that book. Absolutely loved that book. It's one of my favorites. I, it was very well written. Yeah. It was a great concept, the way he did it all. The interesting thing is when it comes to diet, I don't agree all that much with Michael Pollan. Right. I'm, but it, just the way he described oh, absolutely. Right. Every, right. everything in there and just I, made it put the picture together for me. I, I can say I agree with part of his thoughts on food. And that's why I read the books and I got a lot out of the books. His his phrase that always sticks with me, is, I think it might be the, I don't know if it's a tagline on one of his books, but it, it's, or it may even be the start of his, one of his books, I forget. And it may even be Omnivore's Dilemma. Um, the phrase was something like, eat real food, mostly plants. That, that's like his famous phrase. So I agree with the eat real food. Oh, okay. I, I didn't. <laughs> um, but he, he is kind yeah. of somewhat anti-meat. He, he thinks that meat should be a small part of your diet. He's not into, you know, he's not a vegan or a vegetarian. Um, he thinks that, you know, meat should be a small part of your diet. He's, he's completely fine with grains. Um, he thinks he believes that's real food as long as, you know, they're they're raised. He's into, you know, making sure it's raised right. And he would do sprouted and sourdough and that kind of stuff. It, it, we have some disagreements on that, but there's a lot we agree with. And he's a fantastic writer. Yeah, I really enjoyed that book. But, uh, well, I was I had some other thoughts on something that was said last week, but I I should have written it all down before I called. I wasn't wasn't going to call, but when I heard you talking about when I heard you talking about the documentaries, I thought I'd throw that yeah, out there so glad people you could hear about it anyway. Glad you did. All right, Kevin, sure. appreciate everything you do. It's so valuable. You've changed my life. Thank well, you. Thank you. Hey, and this is the beauty of the tribe and the show. Uh, you're now able to give back to the community. You just did. I love that. Um, we got to keep this up. Let's go to Louisiana. David, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How are you doing today? Wonderful. What can I help you with? Great. Hey, uh, y'all, we're talking about documentaries. Um, and I just watched a documentary that's been on YouTube just a little while. It's, um, it's called uh, The Magic Pill. I don't know if you're familiar with that one or not. I am. That is but, uh, one that I've watched. It is. Yeah, it is really good. Uh, you know, it profiles the ketogenic diet, and they uh, they basically uh, follow about maybe five or six groups of people, or uh, five or six people. Uh, two autistic children, a couple of type two diabetics, somebody with cancer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, two two of the um, main characters on that documentary have been on our show. One of them's been on our show several times. Nora Gedgaudis uh, is one of the main characters oh, on that okay. show. And, and Nora's here in Portland, and she's been on our show several times. 
Um, and then uh, Dr. Oh, okay. Dr. Tim Noakes um, was on our show from South Africa. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very familiar with Dr. Tim Noakes. I watch a lot of his uh, videos. Um, you know, what's funny, I, you may know this, but in the uh, a long time ago, I was a big, I loved a book he wrote about um, training uh, training for marathons, and oh, I yeah. incorporated that into my cycling. Now, I'm an avid cyclist. Did, he did, was, he's the father of carving up. <laughs> you know, he's the, he's the godfather right. of carving up. Right. And right. I was, you know, I, for years, was a, I, I was a carb addict, and I lived on carbs right. days prior to a big cycling event uh, through my event. And, uh, and, and of course, now he's, uh, you know, he's pretty much a carnivore, well, definitely a keto yeah, uh, and yeah. tells people. Matter of fact, he republished the book, but he left out the chapter on uh, on on nutrition. <laughs> he, uh, he he cut that part out, uh, right? And he tells people that if you have any, if you have a copy of his original book, to please rip out the chapter on nutrition and throw it away. You, you know what? At I least he love had about this guy that that he not only was he able to admit he was wrong like you said he was the godfather of this whole movement and for him to step back yeah. and say boy did i get it wrong that that tells me a lot about him as a human being that's very impressive yeah i i have a lot of respect for him i watch uh, i've watched a lot of his uh you know videos have, on youtube ha, um, have you watched but- the documentary, I used to talk about this all the time. I haven't talked about it in a while now. Serial Killers 2. You know, I, I, it's it, it's on my, a guy, uh, I, just, I got an email not too long ago where we were talking about the magic pill and the guy I was emailing back and forth would said, mention that. And I said, I'm going to have to bring that up. Um, I, if I had to yeah, pick. I'm gonna, is that, that one pretty good? That's probably my favorite documentary about health. Uh, okay. So, yeah. well, are you familiar with Doctor Chafee? Yes. Yeah. I, I I haven't read any of his stuff. I'm familiar with him on social media. A great doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, if we go back to really getting a lot of guests on the show again, we'd probably go after people like that. We haven't been doing a lot of guests lately because it's and just he's awesome. Yeah, he is. Um, and there's a lot of great people out there. Like I'm friends that, with that, him. Oh, are you? Okay. Um, not, not very close, but we, yeah, we also exchange yeah. email and I, you know, a few days ago, I talked to you about my terrible, uh, labs after, um, my, I was really upset that my triglycerides were really high and right. my uh, HDL didn't go. Anyway, I, I was, we, me and him were going back and forth on email and, um, he, he asked me something I didn't even consider. He said, look, I know you're, you bike a lot. Did you do any, did you do a big, a long bike ride the day before by any chance? I said, oh yeah, as a matter of fact, they did That'll two days in a row. Miles. I had two, right. a series. Yeah. I had a long uh, 80 mile bike ride oh, yeah. the day before in a real yeah. hilly area. And I mean, I was, you know, I mean, a to- I had a total of about six, six plus hours on the bike the oh, day before that- and about six and a half, seven hours. And he said, he goes, look, that's why your liver functions are so high. That's yep. why your blood, your glucose, all of my white blood cell, my red blood cell counts were low. He said, your body was just, you know, whacked from that. Yeah. And he said, even your triglycerides would have probably been affected, maybe even your trip. So he told me to, you know, he said, definitely reschedule, ask your primary care doctor if he would tell him what happened and t- ask him if they would consider having you go in for some more labs and wait. You see, you told me if ever you go in for blood work, do not 
He said, avoid any kind of, just don't exercise for a couple of days prior. If you're, if you're like, especially if you do lots of running, lots of cycling. And I never thought of that. He just said, yeah, don't, don't do anything for two days prior to your labs. We should probably put out a list um, because there are some other things that could affect labs. So you should pay attention to him. He's absolutely right on, you know, heavy exertion of any kind training. Um, if you've had yeah. an, inf- if you re- yes, if you've just recently had some sort of an infection or you have one right now, don't go do labs. Then it'll they'll be a mess. We know they will be a mess. You won't be able to tell yeah. anything from yeah. them. Um, tattoos. This was a weird one. If you get a tattoo, don't go do labs. Uh, it's it's very traumatic yeah. to the body. And it's, it creates all kinds of inflammation and, and can make a mess of your labs. Uh, we should probably put out a list yeah. of, of what to do and not to do if you're going to go uh, do blood work. Yeah. He asked me to send him copies of my last two blood tests because he said he wants to make a video on his YouTube channel about what not to do. Oh, good. <laughs> and good. Uh, he, he was asking me, if, he said, hey, would you mind if I use your, you know, use your results in, a, in a, one of my slides? I said, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I said, yeah, of course, you know, block out all my identifying information sure because the last time i took my blood test it i i it was coincidentally i didn't ride for two days prior because um i had something going on in the family and i had a day off of riding so my blood tests were way different even though they i was just starting out on keto my triglycerides were much lower at the time and my hdl was higher actually at that time and and like you said yeah everything from this test is going to be whacked and I'd love to look at everything, you know, and, and make a little video on it. I said, Oh, that'd be awesome. I, I'd appreciate it. Cause I would look at it almost like a doctor visit when he's looking at my stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so the, I, I bought um, tickets to go to the, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. I, um, I bought tickets to go to the, uh, it used to be called uh, KetoCon in Austin for this, for um, May of 2024. They're calling it, uh, they're calling it uh, Hack My Hack My Health because uh, I guess it had been called KetoCon or something for years. And now that they're so, they want to attract even more of the carnivore crowd. So they're calling it like Hack My Health. You know, we, but anyway, I bought tickets we've been, for it. Yeah, and I'm we, going to it in Austin. We've been through that. We're still in this transition. In the very beginning, a lot of these conferences were based around paleo. And then, you know, we started doing more low carb and then keto became popular. So you did start to see keto in the name of a lot of these conferences. And I think it's a a good idea to stay away from the really specific diet names and focus more on health overall. Because for some people, you know, they may prefer a, a true high protein carnivore kind of diet. Um, if I'm going to do what yeah, I consider carnivore for me, it's going to be more what might be best described as ketovore because it's very animal based, right. but it's high fat. Um, and we probably right. at some point want to get away from a lot of these labels and, and just talk about what a healthy diet looks like without so many labels. But in the beginning, I think you almost have to yeah. have the labels. You kind of have to, so people understand what's going on. But I I like that transition that they're making to just saying, hack my health. 
Yeah, you know what I tell, this is what happens to me a lot. I, I know that there's a bit of a stigma when you tell somebody you're carnivore. Right. So what I do, like this happened yesterday, Kevin, uh, a friend of mine who I haven't seen in a, over a year, we've chatted on email, but he saw me yesterday and he's like, holy cow, Dave, what? Don't you love that how, how response? How did you, lose, you know, he couldn't believe and he's and I'm and I mean he's like man you are ripped and I'm like yeah he said well what what are, what kind of diet are you I said I just went on I just I said I said Todd I just I just decided to cut out all the junk food and all of the uh, sugar and I'm just eating a really good healthy you know good food diet you know good and then he's like wow that. and he goes awesome you know he goes, but then then he asked, then he buried down a little bit well what exactly what is it and I said well I'm Keeping my carbs as low as I can, you know, right? And without trying to say keto, right? And then he's like, "Oh, you mean like a keto, like like a keto <laughs> diet?" I'm like, "Yes, that's yes. the diet that yeah. I'm pretty much on." And then he asked a little bit. He kept going more and more. I said, "Well, Todd, tell you the truth, I'm pretty much just eat meat only." I said, "My only carbs comes from half and half, you know, maybe right. when I do drink half and half." And and he's like, "Oh, okay, so you're you just eat meat only?" I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, but then by that point, you know, I kind of broke it to him slowly, I guess. Right. And he really, right. you know, I think I. But I like I said, look, if you don't want to just eat meat, you can still go keto, eat a little bit of green beans, a little maybe yeah. a little bit of broccoli yeah. here and there, but. You're still going to be when you're on a keto diet. I mean, with 50 grams or less, you're eating pretty much just meat you have and to, eggs. Right? You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's very there, the, the difference between. I told a friend of mine the difference between a keto diet and a carnivore diet is about two bites of string beans. You know, <laughs> um, because that's <laughs> right. Or an apple. Yeah. You know, what's the difference between the two? Well, yeah. probably an apple. You know, if you right. eat an apple during the day, you pretty much bust a ketovore. I mean, you know, because yeah. I think an apple's probably about 70, 80 carbs. I mean, today's modern apple is, you know. Wow, um, that seems really, really high. You eat a, I don't think the apples are anywhere near I, that, are they? I think so, Kev. Really? I think I think an apple's... So oh, one of, I think one, one of apple the sweetest... Uh, let's try this. One of the sweetest varieties of apples I know of that has become very popular is the uh, Honeycrisp. Um, so let's check Yeah, or that the Fuji. One. Yeah. Oh, the Honeycrisp, in my opinion, is and way that, more sweet than even a Fuji. It oh, just taste-wise, you, you can usually Yeah, you tell. might be right. Okay. I'm uh, thinking also Red Delicious because they're so big. Yeah. But I think a large uh, apple's probably... Uh, oh, Honeycrisp is the one I'm looking for. Yeah, I, I trust my taste yeah. buds. Um, when something tastes sweet, it is. There, there's <laughs> going to be more carbs in something oh, yeah, that tastes... Oh, yeah, you know it, don't you? Right. Um so I'm going to do one yeah. large Honeycrisp apple, and I've seen some pretty darn big um, Honeycrisps, uh, 29 grams of carbs. Oh, okay. Well, that's, yeah, okay, 30 grams. So, man, right. that's, you know, that's that's what's funny, though. I mean, one apple. Oh, right. You're yeah. on the board. You're getting close to the border. Oh, well, keto. I, well I, I kind of jokingly said that's. When, that's, that's, I kind of I meant that more as a joke, you know, the difference between no, keto no, you're, and carnivore. You're not a, that far off. An really. apple or a couple of cups. When, of, yeah, because you, you can't eat a lot of vegetables. No, when I talk to people who are severely diabetic, I will try to get them to hold their carbs to 30 grams or less. And this apple would wipe them out for the whole day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, I told my dad, my dad is 96, and uh, 
uh, you know, he had asked me, well, you know, because he had noticed I had lost a lot of weight too. You know, even, even though I go once a week or a couple times yeah. a week, he's like, you know what? I, he, I just told him, I said, look, dad, I just cut out all the junk food. That's, I, I mean, that's a good I'm way not going to try to explain him right. what keto is. Right. I, I, yeah, I just said, I, and then, then if they want to say define junk food, I'll say, okay, rice, potatoes, bread, grains, oatmeal. You know, Cheerios, you know, to me, all that stuff, junk food, especially if it's in a box with a barcode on it. That that (laughs) is the real definition. I I will say that I still eat potatoes. To me, potatoes are a real whole food. I'm healthy enough that I can handle those carbohydrates with no side effects whatsoever. I still eat white rice pretty regularly. Um, to me, those foods are, they're real food. I know rice is a grain, but we, we strip off all the stuff when we make white rice. It's just starch. I mean, it's, it's now kind of like cassava yeah. root and some of that other stuff. Um, I, I, uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, Kevin, uh, a potato doesn't, br- I mean, a potato breaks down into, uh, into glucose. Pretty well, much. It's not like you're taking, starch it's stuff. not the same as table. Right. Right. It's not the same as table sugar, which is 55% or 50% fructose, you know, which is a whole different animal. Well, I think like you eat a potato, your body, your body can manage a potato, you uh, know, a healthy body. And I'm fine with children eating potatoes and white rice. In fact, I encourage it. Um, they're healthy. They're healthy yeah. enough that if, if that those quantities are limited, like they shouldn't be having hash browns for breakfast and, you know, tater tots for lunch and, uh, you know, mashed potatoes for dinner. But having a child eat right. potatoes once or twice a week, it, it, that would not be a problem. Having a child eat what, rice. Yeah. There's still it's, most children. Especially if you combine that with scrambled eggs. Correct. And you, you combine right. it with other good stuff like right. roast, some roast beef and, you know, baked exactly. chicken. Yeah. yeah. Look, like we used to eat when we were little kids, when, you know, when back when... But, you know, home before, cooking was a daily occurrence. Right. Know? Before breakfast became a carb fest, you know, before breakfast became, you know, yeah. toaster waffles and pop tarts and cereal and juice and bagels. And it when breakfast was meat and eggs and even a little potatoes, potatoes are usually popular at breakfast Yeah, for a healthy human being. That's fine. Exactly. You're not going to get sick eating like that. But once you've become so sick that your A1C is eight, yeah, you can't go near that stuff anymore. Not for a while anyway, not probably a year or two before we really get you metabolically healthy. You should stay away from that stuff. Yeah, I, you know, I I agree. Um, And like I said, I, I think once I get, well, I mean, I'm pretty much, I don't know how much more weight I'm going to lose. I've lost over 40 pounds and my weight loss is kind of plateaued. But, um, I mean, I, at some point I may, I may eat a little more variety, but for right now, I still just enjoy That's the perfect. type of food I'm doing. Cause it's so That's, simple, man. Right. That's when I'm perfect. ready to eat, I just warm up some hamburger patties or I just throw something in the slow cooker and that's cooked and it's, and I'm done, you know, I'm not slicing and dicing and, and, you know, yeah, when it comes right down to about it, cooking is all the prep time. I, I'm a big foodie, so I know all about food prep. And uh, when it comes right down to it, the easiest group of food to deal with preparation and storage and all, is meat. It's really simple. 
Yeah. It takes most cuts, like you said, throw it in the crock pot, you're done. Take a whole chicken, throw it in the oven, roast it, you're done. Take sausage and ground beef and make, I call them meat cookies. Make patties out of sausage and ground beef. Put put 30 of them on a sheet tray and bake them in the oven. And if I feel like a snack, I grab a meat cookie. Yes. A matter of fact, I'm cooking right now, and I'm not even looking at it. I, I've right. got a uh, big, a, an extra thick New York strip in my air fryer. <laughs> I turned it over while I was talking to you, for, and I got it back on for another eight minutes to finish the other side. So I figure by the time we finish talking, uh, I'll be ready to eat. Yeah. Yeah, man. And it's a delicious New York strip with a lot of good fat on it and two tablespoons of butter for my dipping sauce. There you go. Hey, real quick before I let you go back to the the documentary Serial Killers 2. I love talking about it because it's one of my favorites and I haven't talked about it in a while. Um, And we had the person I consider to be the star of that one. Now, that one, I'm pretty sure Dr. Noakes was a part of it. I'm almost positive he was. Um, Finney and Volick, um, and I believe they trained under Dr. Noakes, if I remember right. They were the, the guys that wrote okay. the book uh, uh, about performance, performance sports under low-carb conditions. They were one of the first people to write a really good book about that. And that's where this documentary came <laughs> out of. And the story is about a, a guy called Sami Inkinen. And Sami's actually been on our show twice. Sami is an amazing human being. Um, I think he's a trained nuclear physicist. I think that was what he went through, through college for. Um, he started the wildly successful real estate company Trulia and then sold it for a boatload of money and started oh, a company... Okay called Verda Health. But during all of that, he was also a multi-time world champion triathlete who won the Ironman several times, won the world championships, a really incredible athlete. His wife was also an incredible athlete. And I I think his wife was named the triathlete of the millennia. And it turned out that she was a keto triathlete. Not originally. It turned out that the whole time she was right. That's that's the story of this documentary is the transition for them. Because what happened was, now here's a guy, Sami Inkinen and his wife both, doing exactly what they tell us to do to avoid getting unhealthy and being a diabetic. He was eating a mostly vegetarian, low-fat diet, high carbohydrates and carbohydrate loading because of his, his uh, that's what everybody did, right? In, in endurance sports, everybody carb-loaded. Yeah. Yeah. And so could you, do you think you could possibly work out harder than somebody who is a world champion triathlete? No, you can't. There's no time left in the day. That's all those people do is train. So he's eating what they told us was a very healthy diet. He's training as much as you could possibly train. And he ended up being pre-diabetic. Yeah. From all the carb loading. Same as Noakes. Yep. From all the carb loading. And he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I got sick, we must be really wrong about something. So he, he worked with Noakes and yeah. Finney and Volick and went keto 
and the transition was incredible. And I love the the end of the story or kind of the, the main part of the story. After going keto and feeling so great and their performance improved so much as he was totally not diabetic anymore, um, they decided to row a boat from the coast of California to Hawaii. Just two of them. Yes. Yes. It, it is I'm an, familiar with that story. It's that's what this documentary is about. It's an incredible story, and so the tip. It's not like nobody's ever done this before. There are teams that do this. It's usually four man teams, and if I remember right, for a four man team, if you could make it to Hawaii in like under sixty hours, that was a, a really good showing. Um, and you think about that. That's incredible. These boats aren't little boats. They have to carry all their food and water with them on this boat for for two months. Think about that. Two months of food and water. That's a lot of stuff. And that's all in this boat and they're rowing it. And now it's one guy and one tiny little woman. She's like all of about five foot and a hundred pounds, I think. He was eating... I'm going to have to watch this. He was eating, I think the number was 8,000 calories a day, mostly fat, obviously. She was consuming 5,000 calories a day. And they said every day for them for 50 plus days was the equivalent of running two marathons every single day, day after day after day. You know how when you watch endurance events and you see people like stumble across the finish line and collapse and they're like a wreck, right? Oh, yeah. They're just toast. These two after I think it was 50 some days they did this in with just two people. When they stepped off the boat in Hawaii, they looked like they could have turned around and just gone right back. That's amazing. It's an incredible story. Yeah, it's Um, one of my favorites. Yeah, I've been. Uh, that's my. That's the. That's the show my buddy's been begging me to watch. He said I really enjoy it. So you I'm would. definitely going to have to pull that one up. Yeah, and now, like I said, yeah. um, um, Sami Inkinen runs Verta Health. Um, we've had him on the show. Their goal is to cure a hundred million people worldwide of diabetes. That's the goal of Verta Health, and they use a ketogenic diet to do it. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that was why, like I said, the Magic Pill was such a good show because they uh, they use they, they specifically named it, you know, ketovore or I'm not ketovore. They specifically named it keto diet, right? And right. Uh, they they profiled diabetics, autistic, two cancer survivors um, who yeah. went basically zero carb and, and and starved with cancer. Which they talk about how that that. Testing has been known for since before World War One. There were there was uh, there were tests being done showing that uh, a zero carbohydrate diet would stop cancer. And before it really gained a lot of traction, World War One hit, and then World War Two. You know, and it kind of got lost in the people's quest for just staying alive on whatever food they can get during the you know, the Great Depression, World War One, World War II, that, that, those studies were basically lost until right. not too long ago when uh, Dr. Seafried uh, uh, stumbled upon it again and started uh, working on it. He's been doing lots of tests uh, using uh, zero-carbohydrate diets to, um, to, to eradicate cancer, and it's amazing what he's done. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, but um, oh look! If you hear that beeping, that's my uh, air fryer <laughs> telling me that lunch is ready. It's time to go eat that beautiful strip. 
we must let it rest, as they say. But, uh, yeah, it's on my plate right now, and uh, I will let you go, and uh, that way you can chat with somebody else, I guess. And I sure appreciate your time and allowing me to, uh, you know, tell you a little bit about the magic pill. Absolutely. So hopefully, uh, people, some other people will find it and watch it. Absolutely. Great stuff. Thanks for the call. All right. Um, I would go talk to somebody else, except I don't have anybody else to talk to. Uh, well, let me refresh here because sometimes, uh, nope, no calls. So I will give you just about two minutes, uh, unless I think of something that I want to talk about. I don't have any notes today. So was there anything else on my mind recently? Let me check. Uh, let's see. Um, now I, I guess, uh, I'll just take a couple minutes while I'm waiting to see if there's another call to go back to the, um, uh, the Weight Watchers issue. Um, so here, here's the article was in the wall street journal. Here's the headline. The headline of this article kind of makes me a little crazy. And this is coming from Weight Watchers. Um, Listen to this. Here's the headline and then the tagline. You almost don't even need to read this article. The company that defined dieting is sorry it told us to have more willpower. Ozempic, Oprah, and apologies. Weight Watchers says there's no shame in being overweight or in taking new weight loss drugs. Look, I, I don't... I don't know that we have to shame people. I don't think that's necessary. But we also should not accept this. And we shouldn't tell other people it's okay to accept it. I think every individual should do whatever the hell they want to do that makes them happy as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else. But... When I see obese people, and I think I talked the other day about this guy on Twitter that uh, takes all these videos of fat people, mostly women, off of TikTok, who make videos celebrating how obese they are. That, that's the only way you can describe these things. Um, I saw one today. The woman was morbidly obese, and she was claiming that as far as dating goes, she is a 10 because she's a good human being. Well, well, I get that. You could be a good human being and be morbidly obese, but I'm going to tell you, it doesn't make you a 10. I'm sorry to say that we can't ignore biology. And there was another video I saw. One of these women, these morbidly obese women, was brave enough, and I'll applaud her for being way more brave than I could have been, She brought like 20 guys into the room, and this is all being videoed, and she asks them all, she wanted all 20 to answer, would you date somebody who looked like me? And all of them said no. And then a lot of people were trying to shame the guys who said, no, I wouldn't date you. I would be standing right next to them saying, sorry, it's not going to happen. They're... We can't ignore biology. Human beings would not be attracted to somebody of the opposite sex who is visibly sick. That's not how biology works. We are attracted to other people for reasons we don't even understand all that well, but they're fairly easy to understand. 
We are attracted to members of the opposite sex who we believe would make good, healthy partners to produce offspring. That's how this works. And what that producing children is not an easy, well, sometimes it seems like it's too easy. Producing healthy children is really difficult, but we have lots of problems today with um, low birth rate and people not being able to get pregnant. And it's because both parties are sick. The men aren't producing good, healthy sperm. They don't have enough testosterone. Women have all kinds of issues trying to get pregnant when they're, when they're metabolically sick. And then the children start, if, if they do manage to get pregnant and deliver a baby, the baby's sick to start with. That's the norm these days. So these men were being honest, and it's not a character flaw. It's not a character flaw for these guys to say, no, I wouldn't date somebody like you who looks like you because you are so unhealthy. We can see it. And the human body is not attracted to an unhealthy body unless you're so unhealthy that that has changed. And eventually it it does change. Now our society doesn't look at this the same way, but that we're never going to erase biology. And that that's really... Um, what was going on in this. I think I probably had some other point and I got off on a tangent there. Let me try to think. Um, yeah, I don't remember. I was talking about the, the weight loss videos and I think there was another one I was going to talk about. Uh, well, anyway, that that's the general idea. Um, this, this whole, oh, I know I was going to bring it back to the Ozempic thing of this isn't your fault and it's okay to be overweight. Uh, it's okay to be anything you want, if you want it. But I don't know many, I, even these women who make these videos, I don't believe they want to be this way. In fact, I can guarantee they don't want to be this way and I could prove it pretty quickly. If there was some way other than than them working at it through diet and lifestyle, if there was some way I could wave a magic wand and they wouldn't be fat anymore, I guarantee you every one of them would take it. Every one of them without a doubt. But what's happened is they, well, one, they've been lied to for so long. If there's anything I could agree with in this article, I will say I'm finally to the point now where I don't believe it is anybody's fault anymore. Until you learn the truth. Once you learn the truth about how to eat and not be fat anymore and you choose not to, well, then, yes, you're still responsible for your obesity. When I look around at obese children, I can't possibly put the blame on them. But even obese adults, I don't blame them anymore. We have been lied to so long and so badly that I get it. But once you've been educated, then this becomes your responsibility again. So if there's anything I could agree with in the article, it would be that. But think that the only answer to this are these toxic drugs. To me, that's just criminal. All right, I've got some calls, so I'm going to get back to them. Let's go to Tennessee. Ken, welcome to the program. Hi, Kev. How are you? Good. What can I help you with today? Hey, uh, well, I called last Friday yeah. and uh, kind of steered you steered you towards uh, getting an RV picked up and uh, getting some good meat in the freezer. All right. Uh, uh-oh. Ken, I think I lost you. Uh, oh, kind of back. Try yeah. again. 
Oh, I haven't lost the line yet, and I can hear something once in a while. Let me do this. I've got another call. I'm going to put you back in the queue. We'll see if we can get that line better. And in the meantime, I'll go to Kansas. David, welcome. Hello, Kevin. How are you? Doing wonderful. What can I help you with today? Uh, well, first off, a couple thoughts, but my, my main question for today, uh, is any uh, any of the butters that you see in the you know your local chain grocery stores, is any of that any good? I'll tell you, I see butter in almost every store I've been in lately that I would eat. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the, the butter quality issue is much of an issue anymore. Uh, you know, we always talked about Kerrygold right, so like, because you could get Kerrygold just about anywhere. Um, and, and we've talked about the fact that Kerrygold is not 100% grass-fed. They do supplement the diet throughout the year with some other stuff, but it's not bad. Um, I, I, there's, my God, I could probably go through 10 brand names in my head, uh, except none of them are coming to me right now. Yeah, there's butter's easy these days. I mean, I, I really don't okay, see I just, a problem getting good quality butter anywhere anymore. Okay, I just always wonder if, if it's really margarine or if it's oh, shortening well, well, or what the heck it is. So. Well, well, that's easy. All we have to do is read the label. That one is really, really simple. I'm talking more about is it you know a hundred percent grass fed? Is it grass fed and organic? But like I said, almost every grocery store that I see anymore has at least one really good option. Maybe Kerrygold, maybe, um, God, I don't know why none of these names are coming. I can even see the labels and the name just isn't coming to me for some reason. Um, but what you're talking about is much easier to fix. All you have to do is read the label. Okay. Because in, in right. butter, there's only two ingredients. Some butter, there's only one ingredient. Unsalted butter is simply churned cream. It's the only ingredient. You take cream, you churn it, and it becomes butter. You can make it at home. I've done it. It's actually kind of fun. I'll I'll give everybody a really easy way to make butter. Um, Take cream, heavy cream, and put it in a blender and put the blender on high. In about 30 seconds, it'll separate out into butter. And that's what butter is, just whipped cream. Not whipped, really, but churned cream. Um, and then the, the whey separates out and you end up with butter. If there's anything on the label other than cream and salt, it's not real butter. Now, margarine okay. is going to have a long list of ingredients you can't even pronounce. That's how, how right. stark of a difference this is. Um, let me go do this one time. Let me go look at ingredients uh, for some margarine. I'll just type in generic and see what I come up with. Um, just for the fun of it, to see what, uh, here's one. I'll try this one. What is margarine made of? Margarine defined. According to the FDA code of federal regulations, margarine is a food in plastic form, meaning it's not solid, not liquid, or a liquid emulsion containing not less than 80% fat. Now, I love this line, and contains only safe and suitable ingredients. Eh, Sorry, nothing about margarine is safe or suitable, so they lied about that. Um, Well, here's, and here's the biggest problem. The main ingredient in margarine are 
usually a combination of vegetable oils. Let's throw away the word vegetable because that sounds healthy. These aren't vegetable oils. That's a lie. They are seed oils, industrial seed oils, commonly soybean, which is also estrogenic, meaning too much soy and you're going to grow man boobs, Um, palm and palm kernel, which are actually okay. Palm oils and palm kernel oils are okay, except they're going to be heavily processed in here. That's a problem. Then you're going to get some weird stuff, uh, preservatives and emulsifiers. And I'm not really getting like names of ingredients on that one. Um, Let's try this one. It's a specific type of ingredient. Here's the other thing that they promote heavily now. Margarine is plant-based. And plant-based is like the big word now. We think that's a wonderful thing. It's just not. Right. Um, Yeah, I'm not getting a lot of the other ingredients. I'd have to go look up a specific brand. But just know if there's oil on the label, it's not butter. If there's anything other than cream and salt on the label, it's not butter. It's something else. Right. Makes sense. Easy enough. Yeah, so, and then we, we would <laughs> like to find the better quality butters and, and uh, Organic Valley. That's another one that I, I see a lot. Uh, I can't even remember the name of the butter I use, and we probably have 20 pounds of it on hand at any given time, and I use it every single day. And I'm looking right at it. It's a blue and silver label. It's actually some European cultured butter. Um, and it's really good. I get it from Azure. I mean, that's why I started using this brand was because I ordered it through Azure and it just gets delivered. Um, but I can't even remember the name of that one right now. All right. And another comment. Do you ever, are you hearing all the excessive background noise when you have a caller on? Like, I don't know, like it was I the do. first caller today and then when yeah, Paris today. was on and like, are these guys doing dishes or sorting their scrap metal pile or what? Uh, all of the above. So... Uh, all of the above. It, yeah. They could be driving. They could be loading or unloading trailers. A lot of times they're walking around on a dock that's really noisy. Um, we try yeah, I, to make allowances for it as much as we can. That's that's just our tribe. They're not sitting in yeah. a quiet room somewhere. Right. I, I know well, I appreciate it, can, it when you do point it out. And so Yeah, sometimes I do if it's really. There was one caller today that I almost did. And in fact, in the beginning of his call, everything was quiet. And then something changed and there was all kinds of banging in the background. And I thought, well, maybe it'll go away in a second. And then we just kept talking. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, sometimes I I try to do that. Yeah, last Friday when Joel was on, I'm glad you guys got that figured out. That was really bad, that feedback. Yes. Yeah, that kind of stuff, it makes it really difficult for me to do the show. When you start hearing what you just said three seconds ago, that's really confusing. Yeah. And on the last thing I got to say on the on the Desert Eagles, you guys were talking about I a guy I used to work for. He 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 was well to do. He had a lot of money and he liked to get buy guns and he bought one and he was afraid to even shoot it. I'll bet. He, wasn't, he didn't want to be the first one to shoot it, so he let me shoot it. There there's something else, but <laughs> we actually uh, the little the little cans of tannerite oh, you know yeah. that you can buy. Yeah. You know everyone says oh it's got to have a small bullet to pierce those that set it off. Well we. First shot, I hit it with that 50 caliber, and boom. <laughs> it was kind of neat. <laughs> well, I used to do a lot of that when I was growing up. We used to uh, we used to put all kinds of yeah. weird stuff out in the field and shoot it to see what would happen. 
Yeah, but we were, uh, yeah, it's definitely a two-handed gun. You got to have two hands on that one. I can't even imagine. Yeah, it, that thing has got to have a hell of a kick. Man. That's all I got. All right. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, let's go back and see if we can hear Ken now. Ken, are you with us? Dev? Oh, there you are. Guess what? I stopped the damn truck. I didn't want to lose signal again. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad we got it fixed. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I talked to you last Friday about the Mayshawn pigs, and I was pretty excited to tell you about that. And, I'm excited uh, about getting so before. Yeah, well, you got to go get that RV. I, I tried. I tried calling them folks over there just to kind of touch base with them. I don't know why I didn't hear back from them, but um, certainly if you get a chance, I was. Yeah. I was hoping uh, it would be convenient for you to stop because you'll learn a lot. Yeah, so uh, I've got a little bit of a challenge. Friday we have to do the show because I don't want to skip a show. Um, then I've got right. about a three-hour drive down there. Then I'm sure I'm going to be there for an hour or two. This thing's been in the shop for almost a year. We had a lot of stuff worked on. So before I even pull it out, I want to go through and check things, see if I, you know, see something obvious that isn't right. Then we're heading straight over to an RV park that's only less than 10 miles away so I can check hookups, make sure all the electrical's working under a hookup and water and sewer and there's no leaks and it's all the other stuff. And I imagine then I got to try to get home Saturday. So I got to figure out how we're going to get over there. Originally, we were going to drive over to the coast somewhere and spend the night, but that's more than an hour drive over to the coast. And if something goes wrong, I don't want to be stuck over there. So we're just going to have to play it by ear this weekend. Um, I I just, I'm just running out of time. There's just so much that has to happen before I leave. I, I seriously last night talked to Lisa about taking the train again. Um, I, the last trip I took on the train was to Tennessee, uh, to Nashville and, uh, oh, it wasn't Chattanooga, uh, Memphis. I did Memphis and, and Nashville on the last trip and I took the train and I enjoyed the hell out of it. I like the train. It's, it's three days of quiet, two and a half days of, of quiet. And I can think and read and write. And I thought with everything going on with the RV right now and time, um, if I took the train both ways, I could shave off a couple days of travel time. Wouldn't have to worry about the RV maybe being a problem. Uh, but I, I think I've decided I, I, I want to take the coach. We put all this work into it. We put the money into it. I should use it. I, I love driving it. So, uh, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm a, just a little worried. Uh, you know, we always have plan B, but, uh, I, I'm yeah. starting to get a feel the pressure of time right now. Yeah, so my recommendation there is don't add one more thing and stay focused on the RV because you guys got a hell of an investment in that. You got to get over there to Nashville on time. So if you have any issues, you got to make sure you get them handled right away, you know? Yeah, honestly, I know how this will go. If we have an issue with the RV on the road, if I can't fix it myself, I'm getting on a plane or grabbing a rental car to finish the trip, depending on where I am. And I'd honestly rather not get on a plane these days, but uh, plan B is already there. I'm leaving in enough time. Um, There's no way I would try working with some strange shop on the road to get it fixed. 
here's what I think. The good Lord will be with you, and everything's just going to be fine. I think so. I think so. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, yeah. I, but, but I do like the theory of trust in the Lord, but have plan B and C just in case. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, may, I, maybe I, even D. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think he, um, I think he tends to help people that help themselves. Yeah, yeah. I so you there. Yeah, so I, I, I think I'm uh-huh. back to the. As long as everything goes right on Friday, I mean, if 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 things go wrong on Friday, that could be the final. I, I'm just not going to be able to take the RV. Right. Well, so that we'll that see. seems to be your focus. And if you get a chance to uh, make arrangements to go over there, you need time anyhow. You don't need I, um, to put that into your yeah. I definitely want to go see <laughs> the farm and I want to experience it. So thank you for that. Yeah, and you don't want you you don't want to be pushed because right. You, you, right. trust me, you won't want to leave once you get once you get there. You won't want to leave. <laughs> You're right, and and I'm looking at this as it could be a good partnership for us because they're more local. Exactly. And that, that was my original intention. Uh, you know, uh, you never know what might come of it. I, I would love to have 40 farms around the country that I could absolutely recommend. Yeah. Or more. Uh, I Hopefully know. it just keeps growing. I'm with you there. Yeah. It's, it, it's just a fight to get everything perfectly in order so that you can make that all come together. Uh, you know, like I said on Friday, USDA is an issue. I mean, it just is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, why does that, why do they even exist? Seriously, that's just another government you know, agency that should just go away completely. States should handle issues like that. Fully agreed. And yeah, we, I know a guy that works with the USDA. Yeah, we that, that agency right should just go away completely. From me. Yep, should just go away. I yeah yeah really, um, but this guy that I know he travels around to all these butcher shops and all these facilities where they have to have USDA inspection, and he stops at my farm and he says, "Ken, don't even get involved with that." Right. Here's the deal: sell your friend a half a side of pork. And you're allowed to butcher it for him or pay somebody to butcher it for me. All he's doing is buying a side of beef or a, or a side of pork or, or, you know, 10 meat chickens. Why Just, is it even so complicated even that, that we have to even follow these kind of rules? What if I want to sell him more than 10 chickens? Why do we have all these goofy yeah. rules? Why, why, why is it okay? And, and I think people... No, I, I'm a, a believer that we should legalize things like cannabis and let adults make their own decisions. But it really makes me crazy that it's legal to sell cannabis and drugs in a lot of states, but it's not legal to sell raw milk and meat. Yeah, that's just craziness. Yeah, it is. It, it's just that it doesn't even make any sense, you know? Yeah. You know, yeah, it, so, it, um, it, it was interesting in um, when Joel Salatin was on the, the show the last time and with his new book, Homestead Tsunami, he talked about the fact that just during COVID alone, we added a million backyard fleets of chickens. And he said the average is about six chickens. So he said we added about six million laying chickens. And he said that would feed about 25% of our egg needs in the country. That's incredible. 
Yeah, that makes a big impact. And, and uh, you know, you guys were talking about that, that YouTube video. Um, that kind of stuff hits enough people. Uh, you'll, you'll find a, a lot of people change their ways. They'll be growing them backyard yeah. farms and having yeah. their chickens I, and, and, I, and I doing things that they normally wouldn't have done. With, with nine chickens and two people in the house, I am overrun with eggs in just a couple of weeks. I have eggs everywhere, and I'm giving them away constantly. I'm eating more eggs than I ever have. Nine chickens produce a lot of eggs. Kev, we've got... Somewhere around thirty-five chickens. Oh, you know what I'm talking egg layers. about, then. Yeah, and that's a lot of eggs. Listen, we do chores morning and evening, and we fill that basket every day with eggs. And by the end of the week, my wife she will float and clean a hundred plus eggs. Yeah, and 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 be giving them to the neighbors. Yep, and. Uh, you know, when when she gets me ready to go out on a truck, she'll hard boil sixty of them for me. She'll make two <laughs> bags of thirty, <laughs> and I'll come home with none. That's I'll, awesome. I'll eat them all. Yeah, you know, that's awesome. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, it's the best. But um, yeah, so when you get a chance at Northwest Farms, uh, now doesn't sound like the time, but when you get around to it, I'm. I'd be interested to hear hear oh, what you, you think about it, but you will. I'm excited. We're going to go do that. Yeah. So now that you're spending time on the farm, do you realize how you feel like you're on vacation every day and you don't want to leave? <laughs> I, I can't explain to you what it's like when I drive here. My schedule now is somewhat stabilized. We're, we're just not ready to move into this place. We're not going to be ready for months. We've got a lot of construction to do. We've got things to take care of at the other property to get it ready to become a vacation rental. Um, there's a lot going on. So it's going to be months before we're moved in and living here full time. So the best schedule for me is to um, do my show from here. And what I do is I just come over here in the morning. I just get up early. I come over here. That way I can take care of the chickens first thing in the morning, make sure there's no disaster on the farm. Uh, and then I just spend the day here working from here because I can work from here just like I can work from anywhere. Uh, and then, you know, I put the chickens to bed at 5 or 5.30 and make sure everything's buttoned up and I go home. Um, so we're, we're probably going to keep that schedule. But I got to tell you, every time I get out of the car here and I, I walk around, I don't want to leave. I feel different. I feel different the minute I'm here. Yeah. Yep. You, you, your, your mind settles down. You're fully at ease. Yep. You, you're, you're, hey, give it, give it some time. Your wife's going to be in a tree with a bow like mine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. If that I'm ever out, happens, I'm I promise. I'll, yeah. If that ever happens, I promise I'll take a picture and post it. <laughs> Look, I, you know, I've yeah. talked. I've talked about the fact that you know I grew up that way. It doesn't bother me to hunt something and kill it, need it. But I've also said there's these chickens are pets now. I mean that that's just me. I love animals. Um, I doubt that Lisa could ever kill something to eat it. I don't think she, yeah, she yeah, just loves it, animals way too much um, to ever even think about something like that. Yeah, I, I agree. No, no owner just a, as much as I do. Yeah, I'm I, I'm fully in agreement with that. Just uh, 
<clears throat> Let's not even go there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, she, she, if you grow up around it or you do it earlier in life, I think it's a little easier. Uh, yeah. So, and I get it. it. Look, I've even said now, um, I'm not going to go. I, I thought I might take up hunting again and, and maybe do some elk hunting, um, you know, next season. I don't know that I will. Uh, if I if I were hungry or, you know, if the budget was really strained and, and a freezer load of meat, you know, from an elk would really help, I would go do it. But I kind of look at it now and I think it's not necessary for me to kill. Look, I understand that every time I eat, I, an animal got killed for it. I get that. Oh, yeah. And I'm fine with that. That's the way it should be. But for some reason now, I kind of look at hunting and go, I don't really need to. Maybe I just shouldn't. You know, it's it's, why. So I'm kind of mixed on that one right now. Yeah, for us, for us anymore, we we grow so much of our own uh, meat on the farm. Right. It's more about the 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 enjoyment of just sitting out. And nature, oh, yeah, and just watching deer and, and yeah. watching the bears and watching, you know what I mean? And again, I have no uh, problem with hunting, none whatsoever. Which, no, it, 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 no it, me neither. It, I may may or may not get back into hunting again. I'm just not sure. You know, it's it's costly. It's a lot of work, and uh, you know, if if you don't need to, why bother? I, I know I got four freezers full of any kind of meat you can possibly want to put on the grill that's awesome so for me i'll go out and hunt to be you know in the group and you yeah. know because i got people who come to the farm they want to hunt oh yeah um it, it's all about it's all about the camaraderie you know the getting together and the excitement but i'll tell you what unless i uh, unless i have that record record book buck <laughs> this guy ain't pulling it yeah i, I just I'll just sit there and relax. <laughs> yeah. You know, if the right opportunity came along um, to go do maybe a guided uh, or or a group or something, I might consider it. But if it's a matter of, okay, look, I got to go buy all the stuff again. I don't have any hunting gear anymore. Yep. I don't even have a, a, I don't have a good rifle for elk. I mean, I'd have to go buy a rifle uh, and all the other stuff and, and the time and that. So Unless some really cool opportunity came along, I probably won't go through all the trouble. Yeah, and I recommend don't use the judge. That'll make a mess out of it. <laughs> Ground meat's one thing, but a mess is another. <laughs> I'll tell you, if I wanted to, I probably could take down one of these elk with a judge because they're, they come so damn close. Oh yeah, yeah. You you have the the forty five in there. That'll that's big enough. Yeah, trust me. Yeah, <laughs> so. Hey, hey, Kevin, that's what that's what my wife carries on the farm every day. What, what a great other than the weight of it. Um, and, and if you're on the farm, the it's, it's not that big of a deal. What a great weapon to have with you. Well, she has it in the RTV on the seat. And when she jumps out, oh, you yeah. know, if she's going to be checking fence lines or something, she puts that on. And, and let me tell you what. Um, she don't ever leave without it. Do you have the, especially uh, the way things have been. Do you have the home defense rounds? Yeah. Yeah. Aren't they're, those just, awesome? they're just sick. <laughs> yeah, they're they're are. Yeah, they I'll, are. I'll, I'll tell you, I had a hard time getting them there during COVID. Oh yeah. And, yeah, they were um, tough to get. 
you know, I got on a back order list and then all of a sudden they come available and, and I might've overbought. I mean, I, I might've, I might've ended up with about 25 boxes of them and, and the 45s were a little hard to come by and the same thing with them, but now I got them, you know, and, and it's pretty cool. You have some friends come over or whatever, and you do a little target shooting. That's a pretty good experience for people that never shot anything like that. It's, it's pretty fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, now, uh, Lisa has a judge too. So we, we both have one of those. Um, you know, I was just looking, I was looking up those home defender rounds and I didn't realize this. I didn't realize they made one of these with a 13 inch barrel. Yeah. Holy cow. I got the little shorty. I've got the long chamber. Yeah, now what the, is the yours? Three inch like chamber. an eight? No, I think mine's like three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Susie's is uh, six, I believe, and it's a stainless, and uh, that's heavy enough. But a 13? Oh, cool. my God. You yeah. almost need a... That's, that's nothing you ever want yeah. to even think about carrying, yeah. You know, mine is, um, mine is I, I, the, the only real reason to have that gun, in my opinion. I mean, it's great for the farm. That's a great thing. But home defense... I mean, that, that's the point of this yeah. gun for the most part. So um, in a home, a three-inch barrel, I don't see as a problem. I'm still going to be able to hit just about yeah. anything at that distance, even yeah. with the three-inch barrel. That's a nightstand paperweight. Yeah. And when you need it, it's there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> just just kind of aim in the right direction. Yeah, that's <laughs> You'll be it. good. Yeah, that's right. You'll be fine. Uh, um, well, well, hey, listen, we could talk about guns and, and all the cool stuff. And kill the whole show, but I, I did have a, another th- two things that I wanted to talk about. You were sure. talking about people having problems um, getting pregnant and stuff. Yeah, I, I, I just have a real quick little cool story for that. We breed a rare breed of uh, horse, and and uh, there's not very many of them in the world, and they. Um, when we first got started into that breed, it was hard to find the high percentage bloodlines that really kept the purity when you made your cross. In other words, a 50% is equivalent to a son or daughter of your founding stallion. So that was always our goal was to try to shoot for that 50%. So we found a mare, um, that this guy swore you would never be able to get her bread again. And here's how we did it. I went and picked her up. I brought her home. I changed her diet, got her off of oats, corn, and grains, fed her good quality hay, nice clean water, fresh grass when we we could get her out on pasture, got her back in shape. And to this day, she produced the highest percentage stallion in the world. Wow. And it's on our farm. And and they he told me that that mare would never be able to be bred again. And uh, we just we just proved that wrong. And, you know, I heard a little bit of that because I kind of lost the call. I heard a little bit about what you were talking about. And I'm like, uh, I'm just going to bring that up because this will make total sense to Kevin. Uh, I mean, you just it doesn't matter if it's an animal or a person. Man, you it- just eat right. It's and all the same. Yeah, it's it's going to happen. Yep. Yeah. Hey, you, you know the one yes. thing we we sometimes forget. Uh, I think mostly because of religion, but we shouldn't. Uh, biologically, we are an animal. 
I mean, there's no yep. real difference. We're, we're just another species of, you know, a life form, a carbon-based life form. Now, our brain is different, our spirituality, I get all that. Biologically, we're just another animal. Right. So it's no surprise that what works, and now it's actually we, I always look at animals in the wild and say, why aren't we that healthy? Why aren't we active and vibrant right up till the time we die? Why, why do animals in the wild never get cavities? Why don't they really get cancer or all these other diseases? So it's, it's now like we've become, we have to look at the wild animals to figure out how we're supposed to live because we've screwed it up so bad. Yeah, I mean, you, you watch a deer graze, they're picky on what they eat, but I'll tell you what, they don't ever seem to make a bad decision because... Uh, no, they know what they're um, supposed to eat. Yeah, yeah, we just we just make bad decisions because uh, we can, I the guess. American lifestyle yeah. has followed us up, you yeah. know? But uh, the, the other thing I wanted to talk about was... Uh, Susie's working on the farm every day. You know, we got pigs and chickens and horses and cows and, and all this activity going on the farm. And That's you were talking lot. about going out. Oh, yeah. When, when I go away, it's when I go to work, like I'm on my way to Texas. She, she was like pretty upset that I was going to Texas <laughs> because it wasn't, yeah. wasn't going to be a quick trip because right. it's getting to be a busy, busy time of the year for the farm, you know? Yeah, it is. And, uh, but anyways, uh, you were talking about being in the chicken coop and, uh, handling eggs and not washing your hands. Well, let me tell you what, my, my wife, she was, a she was a microbiologist and an ultrasound tech back in the day when we kind of believed in the medical world. Right. right. And, um, I got to tell you. There's not much to worry about with anything that goes on in these little farms, but we did experience a very scary situation here not long ago. I had gotten home from Massachusetts, and she said, you got to hurry to get home. She says, I'm kind of having a little bit of a hard time walking. Well, when I got home, she said she had taken pictures of a Looked like a mosquito bite on the side of her, on the inside of her right thigh, or her, her, her calf, I mean, about halfway between her knee and her ankle. And it was right on the beefy part of the calf. She's showing me these pictures, Kevin. It looked like a, a, just a regular mosquito bite or a black fly bite, you know? It's going to go away. Well, let me tell you what. As she took pictures, you could see where there was kind of two holes in the bite, but it was like a flesh-eating bacteria. And and her knowing what she knows, you know, the cellulitis started. And and once that starts and you don't get, get it under control, it will get out of control. And you will be in a hospital bed, um, and they will be feeding you antibiotics directly into your veins. Uh, and so... It, as time went on, this thing kept getting bigger and bigger, and we're treating it. And, you know, uh, listening to your show, you're talking about that, the salve with the silver in it, yeah. the antibacterial properties and stuff. So I, I got her some of that. So I immediately thought of you. I'm like, hey, you know, I listened to Kevin. I wonder if we ought to look into some of this. And um, so anyways, I did some research, and, and I got her everything that I could, that I thought was going to help. 
Good. And nothing was helping. Right. This this was going out of control, and it was growing fast. And she was scaring the heck out of me, saying, Not "You know, bad. there's a flesh eating bacteria." And I haven't, you know, back since 2013, her and I haven't really gone need to gone to go to a doctor. Well, I, I said, you know, we ought, we probably ought to go to the the local. Um, you know, they have them little. Medex or whatever you can yeah. just walk yeah. in because we don't have we don't have a doctor right and I I said I said maybe we ought to just go and maybe have a look at this and get some input and not that I'm going to listen to too much of it but anyways we walked in and this gal she wasn't a doctor what do they call a doctor a, a, a person that works with the doctor and helps her uh, him physician's or her. assistant. That's what she was. Which is, and, you know, a lot um, of people, that, that that term is almost misleading. Uh, physicians' yes. assistants are closer to doctors than nurses. They can prescribe drugs. Right. They, yeah, a lot of people are, are don't really understand what that designation is. And as much as I'm not a fan of the medical community itself for a lot of reasons, I prefer to work with, um, I think, they nurse practitioners. Um, I prefer to work with them yeah. over doctors. Well, and I, and I believe they're, they're more qualified to be honest with you. And that was going to be part of my story. She, she said, Hey, the only way to get this under control is antibiotics. I wait, don't wait a minute. I, gotta go back and, I, I just realized what I did. I used the term physician's assistant the first time. I don't know where that came from. Nurse practitioner was what I was yeah. thinking of. So I, I misspoke there and I just realized I did. Um, nurse practitioner is the right. term I was looking for. Yes. And, and that's who this, this gal was. And she, and I have a lot of, I have a lot of respect for two of those people in that, in that little medical facility, because both of them were amazing. Yeah. Like way better yeah. than any experience we've ever had with a doctor. I agree. And, and here's what she said. As much as I don't want to prescribe an antibiotic, this is the only thing that's going to take care of this. And we're going to go with a mild prescription to start with and give it a week and come back. I and like we'll that reassess the situation. And I'll tell you what, I was thinking of you when I said, okay, I don't want to see my wife take antibiotics because we've worked all these years to get her right. gut in order and get everything in line. And now we're going to screw it up. But she has this, this thing that's eating her leg. And, and uh, I'm me, like, let me put that into perspective. We got to do this. Yeah. Let me put it into perspective for people. Cause people might be surprised that I am okay with this process. This is how this should happen. That there are still things in the world that are dangerous, no matter how healthy we are. And I do appreciate, you know, that there are medical interventions that could help. But when and yes, a round of antibiotics is going to cause some dysbiosis and we're going to have to go back in there and fix things again. But I'll tell you what will really screw things up, and that's dying. Dying really puts a damper on things. So if I have to take some antibiotics to make sure I don't die or this doesn't get worse, I'm OK with that. Yeah, me too. I, and I'll tell you, she was scaring me because she was doing research and looking up all this this bacteria that's like flesh eating, and that gets ugly. And I wanted to kind of talk about this because you were talking about being in the, these environments that 
that if you have a little wound, that's how that gets in. You know, you could be out there cleaning the chicken coop and have a little cut from a pallet or something on your leg. And the next thing you know, you have this infection that's eating your leg. I I don't know if there's ever a time I don't have a cut somewhere on my body. Yeah. It's almost constant. When you, if you work around stuff, you're physically active, you're out in the woods, you're on the farm, you're around trucks, you're in a garage. How do you not get cut? I mean, I'm cut constantly. I've got two little puncture wounds on my left hand right now. I did yesterday. Just moving something around and banged my hand into something. and got two little puncture wounds. And you're right. That is a, that is a place for bacteria to get in. Um, I, I know that there is some nasty stuff out there. Uh, I used to be the guy that never put a Band-Aid on because I usually stopped bleeding pretty quickly. And I didn't pay a lot of attention. And, and I'm still that way. These cuts that I get now, I just got a big cut on my head the other day. Uh, I let them go. I, I don't, if I have to put something on it to stop the bleeding, I'll put it on for a little bit. And then I'll usually take it back off. Um, I don't, I never used to put anything on them. Now I just put a little of that uh, silver uh, salve on the silver right. gel. And I am shocked right. at how fast things heal. Absolutely shocked. And hopefully, um, you know, I stay away from the really nasty stuff where I catch it early enough with the gel and it doesn't turn into something like that. Yeah. You know what else I found it, it really helps heal, um, cuts and abrasions really well. I did a face plant. I picked up, picked up our, our future little boar, uh, we called him Q-tip because he has white hairs on his tail. And, <laughs> and you know, we try to get them to be real friendly while they're little, you know. So right. I, I'm holding them and I'm scratching on them. And, you know, a, a pig doesn't have to be greased to be slippery. All of a sudden, <laughs> his legs were going and I'm kind of reaching out. He's he's going west and I'm my feet are planted and I didn't want to drop them. I went down with that little guy and I planted my face right in the dirt. I'm bleeding from <laughs> oh, my forehead, <laughs> my cheek, my nose. And of course, you know, this was just after my wife had this flesh eating bacteria going on. Right. She's like, you just, you just fell in the, where the pigs live. Right. Let's just stop and go in and clean everything up really good because we don't want to do this again. Yeah. And, um, after, after like the second day, I start, she said, listen, just take a little bit of coconut oil and just put a little bit on every single one of them cuts and abrasions. I got to be honest with you, that them freaking cuts and abrasions really healed up quick with just regular coconut oil because that coconut has oil is antibacterial anti- properties. It's antibacterial, it's antifungal, it's anti-everything. Now it's milder. So when we say these things are right. antibacterial, antiviral, well, right. there's, there's a strength level to things like that too. Coconut oil is a fairly mild version, but it still works, especially if you catch something early. You cleaned this up, which got rid of some of the bacteria. And and again, I'll go back to I'm still not going to wash my hands all day long because that, that wouldn't do anything. Right. But when you get a cut yeah, no. and you're around a dirty environment, well, sure, we should, you know, take a little precaution there. Clean it right away. That gets rid of right. some of the bacteria. Put something as mild as coconut oil on it early enough. 
and it will probably take care of it. There are other th- manuka honey is excellent, and and it's yep. more powerful than coconut oil. The silver is more powerful than manuka honey. So it, it's just a level of of what do you want to use, and sometimes something as simple as coconut oil will work. Yeah, I mean the silver the silver's obviously going to be your number one choice if you have it, but. Um, sometimes you got to improvise, but Hey, I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation because we're all working on trucks and, and working on our properties and getting hurt. And that, that deal that went on with my wife's leg, that was scary. I'll bet. And, uh, and I'm sure that there's probably somebody else that has experienced something like that. Oh, I've dealt um, with people. To finish that. Yeah. To finish that story. So the listeners can hear, um, you know, we're the folks that don't ever want to take anything if it comes in a pill bottle, but we went back for the second visit and we had a completely different physician's assistant. And she said, she came in and looked and she said, I read, I, I read the notes from last week and she said, I'm not, I'm not liking the progress. We are going to get super aggressive with this. And she had some uh, antibiotic that come in a tube that was prescription along with, she said, we have to go to the high test version of the antibiotics. And she said, this is the last resort. She said, let's do this. And hopefully we get this under control because we don't want to see this get any worse. And I'll tell you, I loved her for, for saying it that way, because I fully understand it. I, I immediately thought about Bruce. I'm like, here, here we are. We're talking about, we're talking about high test here, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we got, we got home and we got Susie started on that. And I got to be honest with you. Um, as much as we didn't want to do that, that really took care of it. But it took a while, Kev. Oh, Whatever bet. that was, it was almost it, resistant. You, you, you know what is ironic about all this? That resistant What's bacteria that? probably exists because we've abused antibiotics. And, and, and that was a discussion that we had um, based on all the years of listening to this show. Uh, and talking about antibiotics. Um, but I'll tell you, I'm glad we got it under control. But yes. uh, if, yes. if nobody ever heard of this, they need to know about it because hey, hey, let's if, say if they listen else. to Kevin, they're not. Let, let, let's, What's that? let's put out some other truth here. Your wife is extremely healthy. Oh, yeah. What would this have done to somebody with a compromised immune system? It would have killed them. There, there aren't enough antibiotics uh, on the yeah. world to save somebody that that. It has a compromised immune system when you're facing a bacteria this nasty. It was her immune system that kept her alive while the antibiotics did their job. Yeah. Fully agree with that. We had that conversation and and it's like if, if, if somebody was fully diabetic, this probably would have killed full blown diabetic. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Because it, that already affects that lower extremities and won't let stuff heal. Right. And how bad that would have been for her. Yeah. It, it, something yeah, so, either would have been amputated or they would have died. 
Well, I heard it come out of her mouth a couple of times. Hey, listen, if I don't make it through this, <laughs> I, this is yeah. what I want you to know. And I'm like, quit talking yeah, like I that. I, I'll bet it was Eden, scary. I, yeah. it, oh, oh, she was she was petrified. And being a being in the in the fields that she she has been, you know, those those people that grow stuff on petri dishes and do all this crazy stuff like she did, she knows how ugly that could have been. And for her to for her to scare the jibbe, she just scared me by the stuff that she was telling me could happen, you know. Right. But we we pulled through it, and um, as much as we talk about not doing antibiotics, that was one time that we made the right decision. I agree. All right, I gotta move along. Great conversation. Um, I got a couple more calls to knock out before we've got to wrap this up for the day. Let's go to Tennessee. Jeremy, welcome. Uh, hi, Spirit Leader. Thanks for the uh, that, that conversation. I think I found my next gun. You're welcome. Hey, are, are, are you on some sort of wireless headset, mic, something? Oh, how, how about now? Uh, still a, a uh, lot of background noise, and your uh, voice is kind of quiet. Oh, okay. Uh, hey, hold on. Uh, how about now? That's a little better. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, um, is it, am I loud or am I am I low? How about that? You're all right. Yeah, just keep doing what you're Which doing. One? We'll be fine. Okay. Okay. So yeah, uh, the the judge home defender thir- that 13 inch yeah barrel. I'm 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 gonna get that. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, I I, uh, I would be a whole lot more impressive at the range good. with that one than I would with mine. Yeah. So okay. So um, religion or barbecue uh, rubs? Um, barbecue is a religion, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm. Uh, yeah, I was thinking hey, and dreaming about hey, you know getting hey, home uh, and um, uh, yeah. Uh, of course, barbecue is a. Re- a religion. Praise the Lord. That's right. That's hilarious. That's a great one. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking about when getting home and you know cooking, but I was thinking about making rub. And, and I don't know if you've done this or not, so I was going to see if you had. Uh, I was thinking about when I take the peppers out of the honey, um, what to do with them, you know, besides to make the, the hot sauce. But um, I know where you're going, and I um, like it. Dehydrate, dehydrate them, and turn them into a powder, and then add it to a spice yes. blend. Yes. Oh, I like it. Yes, I like it. Good. Yeah, thinking. yeah, I know. And then the sugar, the sugar still will be on there to be kind of sweet. Uh, you know, uh, Good hopefully, thinking. still. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, maybe all I have is a uh, you know for my pepper, I have a I use an old uh, coffee, you know, the grinder, the spinner, you know, the, the one you push down on it and it kind yeah. of grinds it, you know, not a burr grinder, but just a regular, you know, I, I crack my, the pepper for the, uh, but I'm thinking there is some called a pulverizer, I guess maybe that's for like bigger batches. I, I don't know. I, I don't think I need that at first, but yeah, I was thinking about, uh, cause isn't it, it's, it, it the peppers are kind of already dried out when you pull they're, them out of there. They're really close. Aren't they? they you know they, what I mean? Right. They look yeah. like they've been dehydrated, but there's still some moisture left. So I think they'll dehydrate pretty quickly. Um, you're right. Pretty the quickly, honey's yeah. going to be left. There's some honey left there, which is kind of crystallized. I, I, yeah, I've got a ton of these peppers at home wondering what I should do with them all. Now I have an idea. 
yeah, I was going to thinking of you know uh, things that cook fat like wings and ribs, you know that we can uh, taste it because you know the brisket, it, nothing really holds up. You can't tell, you know, right. salt and pepper is pretty much all you can get out right. of that. So right, but yeah, I was thinking uh, pulverize it. That that and might then be I saw, a really good like finish for my smoked wings. Yeah, yeah, like wings and finishing, or uh, you know, when you do the rib, uh, you know, you get throw some smoke on the rib, right? And then you before you wrap, maybe put some, uh, you know, how some people put butter and a uh, little brown sugar, and then they wrap it. Maybe maybe just put a little but, uh, butter and uh, that 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 spice rub. The, the, uh, that's the pepper interesting. Rub. I'm gonna work on that one. Yeah, or maybe I'll just rub them first. You know how you you know salt, pepper, and, and that. I, I I don't know. I but uh, I dry brine both my wings and my ribs for usually about twenty four hours if I think about it ahead of time. So I, I've got my blend that's heavy yeah, on yeah, salt. salt brine. Yeah, so my blend is heavy on yeah. salt. So I, I just do a dry brine with my my uh, regular spice rubs. Um, but I could. Here's what I'm yeah, thinking. So. I'm gonna do. I, I'm thinking I'm just gonna add this to my spice rub. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to try it just by itself first to see how it is, you know, by itself. Right. Or uh, I did hear, I did hear that, because uh, um, we would go into this, uh, every, every Saturday we come in in Texas and uh, there's a farmer's market and there's some pepper growers there and stuff. He had told me about, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Worcestershire uh, powder. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, he said, he said that's kind of interesting. So maybe that would add another flavor to it as well so yeah, i was gonna a, try there's a lot of umami in Wor- worcestershire so yeah that, that would be an interesting idea <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna try it all right good stuff yeah thanks for the idea that's an awesome right. idea thank you all right i'm gonna definitely do that I may do that in the next couple of days. All I have to do is the peppers are just sitting there waiting for something to do with them. All I have to do is throw them in the dehydrator. All right. Let's uh, final call of the day. Brian, you get the last word. All right. Hey, I was listening to you Monday. I want to hit this first. And you said that you were having trouble with your uh, keynote speech. Yes. I almost and, always and, do. And nobody offered any assistance at all that I heard. I didn't catch the whole show, but I caught most of it. And back in the day when I used to do a few presentations in front of uh, engineers and such, I would have that trouble. And the first thing I would start out with was the main thing. And i just write it down on a piece of paper. Yeah. Hey, Brian, before you go too far, into the, before you go too far, Yeah. Um, and it's not that I don't want advice. Um, the, so I've done hundreds of presentations. I never have a problem mm-hmm. writing a presentation because it's, it's facts, it's data, it's, it, it's ideas. Um, I'm really, I don't want to bra- I'm really good at that. I've been doing it a long time. Uh, I don't struggle with that at all. Keynotes are a whole different animal. The best keynotes are either very motivational, they're usually not specific about a topic or facts or data. They're either, the best keynotes are either very motivational, and I'm just not really into the motivational stuff. It doesn't really work all that well for me. Or they're funny. 
I think the best keynotes I've ever seen are funny. Larry Wingett's keynotes are hilarious. And I'm unfortunately just not a funny guy. So I struggle with keynotes, not not presentations, but and this is why I don't typically do keynotes. But all of a sudden, I keep getting invited to do keynotes. And I even tell the groups, look, keynotes really aren't my thing. If you want me to come in and do a breakout session, an educational session, um, a presentation on a topic, I can do those all day long. And I'm doing some of that at NASTIC too. They, they're going to keep me busy all three days. But the keynote is a struggle for me. And I've read all the books. I know all the techniques. I know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. But it's almost like this process is kind of like, I don't know, voodoo or something. It either happens or it doesn't. And I don't know how to trigger it. The, the only thing I know, and that's why it's, a, it's tough right now, I've got to get away from everything. I can't work. I can't be reading novels. I can't be reading books. I can't be watching the news. I've got to go someplace and get really quiet for probably about 48 hours. And sometimes the inspiration will come in eight hours. Sometimes it comes in 32 hours. But it, it, it's almost like I have to take the time to get quiet and clear out everything. And then I'm hoping I get that, you know, inspiration to write a good keynote. And, and I can honestly say I've never given a really good keynote. I'm hoping this is the time. Well, I have to disagree with you. You are very inspirational. Look at how many people you inspired to uh, change their lives. Yeah, you're right. And I appreciate that. But it, it, I'll go back to the reason I think this show is successful. It's just pure repetition. I get to say it enough times. And I can talk all day long. And obviously, um, I must say something interesting because people like to listen. Um, again, I, I'm just going to go back to how, how unique a good keynote is. Larry's Larry Wingett's keynote, one of the best I've ever seen. Really like it. There's some other really good ones out there, too. Um, Larry's are just funny stories. Each story has a little bit of a lesson to it. But for the most part, it, it's good keynotes are just entertaining more than anything else. And I, I'm just not really entertaining. Uh, I've never done a keynote, but I've done a lot of primarily ad lib presentation. I, I, I'm uh, good at that. That's why I would go to the outline. Yeah, it, it, it wouldn't bother yeah, that's me. That's why a, I used the outline so I could right. stay on track, get a story or two in there. Well, so to, to I, let I you know, anything out to let you know, you're, you're not completely off track here at all. What you just said, I've already done. I have the outline, but my outline is a powerful open. That, that's all I have in that spot right now. I'm big on really powerful opens. Then I've got, you know, five minutes in, there will be a story. And then 10 minutes in, there'll be another story. And then a, a powerful, so I have it all outlined, you know, how it should go, what the flow is going to be. What I don't have yet is the theme. What, what message, what because a keynote should deliver a big message. So I, it, it, to go back to Larry yeah. Wingett's, it's mostly entertaining. It's funny. It's stories. But Larry's big message, and he's consistent about it, and he does the same keynote over and over and over for years. Larry's big message is personal responsibility. 
So he builds a keynote with some really cool, funny stories about personal responsibility, and it all works really well. You get the big message, and it's fun and entertaining. I, I have not had the inspiration of what my big message is supposed to be yet. Once I get that, I think I'll be fine. Once I can come up with what is the big message I'm trying to get across, once I do that, the words will just start flowing. And then it's just a matter of getting it in the right order, tweaking it, you know, but, but I, I'm, I'm starting to freak out a little bit because I, I don't have that big message yet. Uh, with your wealth of knowledge, it'd be hard to choose just one. Maybe that's it. And when you're doing a presentation, it's easy because you know what you're there to talk about in a presentation. Correct. Right. And, and so like you, you said, that's your overall thing. Like you said, you're, you're, yeah, you're comfortable with impromptu. I could say this. If I were walking up on stage, getting ready to deliver my keynote and the, and they all of a sudden said, Hey, sorry, we changed our mind. We want you to talk about, um, building relationships. Eh, no problem. I don't even need to write that down. I don't need any notes. I don't need any cards. I could talk for two hours about this. Pick any topic that I, you know, money management, whatever. I can walk up and give a presentation anytime. Don't even need to prepare much because I do it every day. Like you said, that's what I do on my show every day. But again, I I really, I I want this to be a real, I could go up there and give kind of a presentation about trucking and being an owner operator and freight and fuel mileage. and, And it would play well with that audience. But in my mind, that's not a keynote. This is an idea. How about bringing all that general knowledge into one topic? Yes. Yeah. They all no, you are exactly right. That's what I'm trying to get to. That that's what I need. I need a way to kind of take my base of knowledge, bring it down to one big message, and make it entertaining. Sounds easy. It seems simple when we just sit I here and talk not, about it, right? But it sounds <laughs> yeah, easy. Right. When you and I are sitting here talking <laughs> about it, I'm like, well, that's easy. Just sit down and do it. But I can't. It's it's just not happening yet. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, I mentioned Larry Wingett. Larry Wingett gives the same keynote every time. Five hundred different audiences, but it's the same keynote because it's generic enough that it works. And he's really good at it. And the more he does it, the better he gets. Even to the point, I've worked with Larry on these ideas. Larry, when Larry is on stage and he takes a drink of water, that drink of water was planned. I mean, that's how tight he has his keynote down. Yeah, like I said, I've never done a keynote. I've been in some uh, pretty knowledgeable audiences, I've never done the keynote. Yeah, it, it is. It, it it really is a different animal. And like I said, a, a lot of keynote speakers or keynote speeches, in my mind, aren't true keynotes. And a, and a lot of people get away with that. And I could too. I could walk up there and do something like I said, and everybody'd be fine. And everybody, but I really want to deliver a really good keynote. Yeah. Uh, you'll get it. I think so. Spend some more time on the farm. You'll get it. I, I just need to, to – at some point, I'm just going to have to turn everything off and relax and let it happen. 
And it might not happen until I hit the road. Uh, which 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 means <laughs> well, like usual, I'm, I'm right down to the like deadline. Sounds like you got enough time. Yeah, I think so. If yeah. I leave on the twentieth, that gives me you know ten days, uh, and I only need four to do the driving. So I can you know if I'm and I'm going to try something different this time. I'm going to try. I usually just sit back on my drive and relax and enjoy the drive and listen to a good book. Um, but I may try, I may try writing my keynote in my head while I drive and I'll have a recorder. And so I, I may try that. And then if I get inspired, I'll stop somewhere cool and spend a couple days writing and just knock it out. Yeah. Sometimes you can get inspiration where you least expect you might yeah. be listening to a book. Yeah. That, well, I and, tried and that. Like, I even, that's the, that's the trick. Yeah, I tried reading some books about good keynotes. I tried listening to some good keynotes, hoping I might get some inspiration. And I, again, I think I'm just too distracted right now with too much stuff going on. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> and um, the world's not cooperating. No, no, um, A couple of years ago, I was listening to you. And uh, you convinced me to try uh, 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 paleo diet with one simple statement. I never have to be hungry. That's powerful, isn't it? And it is. And that sold me. And it took me a while to get completely over to keep paleo because I was, you know, I had to use up what was in the freezer and stuff. Yeah. I uh, went about a year. I was having some digestive issues with the uh, disaster pants and upset stomach and bloating and all that. Talked with Lauren, and uh, she put me on a regimen to get that turned around, and, and it worked for a while. And didn't really have any big changes to the diet. Got away from the nuts and seeds, went more carnivore. Um, I don't hardly eat any vegetables, I, and when I do, I try to make them fermented, do some fermenting myself. Good. Uh, thought I was past that, was ready to uh, start going after the fat digestion. You know, I really love the butter in my coffee and, and bulletproof. And, but when I do that on the weekends, I have a problem. Um, so I started, I went back and, and started redoing the uh, regimen that I was on before, supplements. But I had already ordered the uh, uh Fat digestion kit. Is it okay to mix those, or should I finish one before starting the other? No, um, we could do multiple digestive kits at the same time if we thought it would help. Um, usually, we don't, but but if you've got them and we want to kind of shortcut the process a little bit, there would be no harm. Okay. Okay. Uh, the reason I, I did the uh, uh, nutri and talked to Lauren is because I, I lost 30 pounds in four months. Nice. But then it just stalled. Very common. And I've been at that. How, that, that, uh, uh, how far off of your target I'm weight are you? Somewhere between 20 and 40 pounds. Okay. I'm, so, I'm at so there's a clue here already. And I'd really like to get down to 180. There's a clue here already. We, we haven't talked about this much lately the way we used to, 
Um, one of the first things we look at when there's a weight loss stall is digestion. And primarily fat digestion. In order to be in ketosis, you have to be eating and digesting enough fat to stay in ketosis. And if you're not digesting it, you, you could be hungry. You can end up eating things that you normally wouldn't eat. Um, digestion, we're not getting the proper nutrients we need if we're not digesting our food. So anytime somebody has a weight loss stall and a digestive issue, that's what we focus on first. The only way I can get the ketosis at all is uh, if I fast for anywhere from uh, 24 to 36 hours. And when that happens, um, the fasting starts to mobilize fat off of your body, and you don't have to digest that. Uh And that's why you're getting into ketosis. I mean, that all makes sense. You fast long enough, your body says, hey, look, there's no glycogen left at all and he's not eating, we need fuel, and it gets the fuel from your fat stores, and then you get into ketosis. But when you're trying to get in by eating fat and you're not digesting, it's not working. So I think the fat digestion is your key here to the weight loss as well. Okay, all right. Well, I love those supplements at home, so I'll uh, end up getting towards the end of this one anyway, but the, the other digestive yet. So uh, when I get home after this weekend, I'll, uh, I'll start on that as well. There you go. All right. Hey, I'm going to wrap this up. We, uh, went a little long today. That's not a bad thing, but, uh, great show. Thanks everybody. Lots of, lot of good calls today. Today felt more like, um, the first couple of years helping people understand the diet, helping people with some issues. It, uh, it was a good show today. Uh, I thought there was something else I was going to talk about. I had an idea while I was talking to Brian there, but now I can't remember what it was. Hmm. All right. I guess we've talked enough today anyway. Uh, We'll see you back here tomorrow. We'll have an hour free for all and then an hour of rolling toe. And that will be it for tomorrow. Friday will be an hour free for all and an hour of uh, technology and efficiency. No spaces this week. I got to start clearing my schedule and hopefully clearing my mind a little bit and uh, getting prepared for the big trip and event. You know, I've heard a lot of our tribe saying they're going to be at Nastic this year, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, If you can make it by chance to uh, Nashville, does it start November 1st or 2nd? I can't remember. Um, Somewhere in there. Um, We'd love to see you there. Oh, also, Chelsea went and um, reminded me of the name of the butter we now use uh, because, it. We like I said, we get it from uh, Azure. So the company is the Sierra Nevada Cheese Company. Actually makes some really amazing raw milk cheeses, but they make a line of butter called Grazier's. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, it is European style, that cultured butter. So it's grass-fed. Um, European style means it's got a higher fat content, which is awesome. That's why I like that. And cultured is the same as fermented. It, when we talk about dairy, we call it culturing. We culture yogurt, but it's the exact same process of fermenting vegetables. It's lactobacteria uh, and probiotics. So cultured butter is like fermented vegetables. So 
that's the uh, the brand that we get now. I think it probably, Sierra Nevada, I think it probably comes from happy cows in California. The cows in California are much happier than the people there, that's for sure. All right, we, uh, we're going to wrap this up. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.